No commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. This is Banal of America Audio, Season 9, and stunningly, it's been a month since we uh, last took to the airwaves, which is crazy. I cannot believe it, but that's just the nature of uh, throwing a long vacation in the midst of doing a program like this. And we're going to be delving into the big vacation in just a few moments with my guest, Paul Kimball. But i got to stop uh, the show, so to speak, here for a moment. I want to take a moment and uh, talk about a dear friend of mine who passed away earlier this week. And hopefully I don't get too choked up. I, I wrote it down, I read it, so hopefully uh, I can get through this. But bear with me, folks. Joe Cosentino, or as many of my friends knew him affectionately as simply Swampy, was a truly larger-than-life person and someone who was simply unforgettable to anyone who spent probably more than five minutes with the guy. For those of us who were lucky enough to share part of our lives with him, it was a joyous ride filled with boundless laughter and countless memories. Joe had a puckish spirit that was really infectious, and good times seemed to emerge around him wherever he went. He was also an incredible friend who helped me and many others in ways he probably never truly realized. He was the kind of guy you'd want in the foxhole with you, and someone who, if you were in your most dire moment, he would be there to have your back. His, sport, his support and loyalty was unquestioned and unquestionable, which are traits that seem to be in short supply nowadays. One footnote, because I want it on the record, and I know he'd appreciate it, is that he was literally at the inception of Banal of America. Sitting down in his man cave basement with his brother John, we hatched a plan to launch a website, and even decided on the moniker BOA that evening. The rest, as they say, is history. I couldn't think of a better person to have been there that day than Joe, since he perfectly embodied the independent spirit which has been in the DNA of BOA over all these years. Although the paranormal aspect of it wouldn't emerge until a few years later, the funny part of all this is that Joe was an ardent advocate for many strange and unusual ideas, which often led to fiery conversations about things like UFOs and Bigfoot long before I was talking to the Stan Friedmans and Lauren Coleman's of the world. And I can recall seeing him about three years ago, well after I'd become some kind of paranormal guru in the amused eyes of my, in the amused eyes of my local friends. Joe once again tried, with great purpose, to convince me that UFOs were real. Me. He was trying to convince me that UFOs were real. That's how passionate he could get about things he believed in. 
Regretfully, I probably never told him this, but Joe really inspired me to be fearless and going against the grain and following the road wherever it may take me. He played by his own set of rules, marched to the beat of his own drummer, and lived life like no one was watching, while at the same time, he was capturing the hearts of everyone in the room. I only wish I had half the devil-may-care attitude that Joe carried with him every day. He was a friend, a brother, a mentor to many, and a proud fellow traveler amongst the dreamers and iconoclasts of the world. And he will be deeply missed. Godspeed, Swamp. I'm sure I'll be seeing you again someday on the other side, where you'll have likely figured out all the loopholes of the afterlife and will be eagerly teaching them to each of us as we arrive. I'm going to miss you, bud. And uh, we'll change the mood now from, from sad to gladness here and welcome Paul Kimmel to the show, also a very good friend from a, from a different world, let's say. And, uh, you know, talking about my friend uh, Joe here, who always went above and beyond. Paul went above and beyond for me uh, earlier this month when I was up in Canada, as I said on, on the BOA Facebook page, an indefatigable host for me while I was in Canada. Of course, if you're unfamiliar with Paul, he's the man behind a myriad of fantastic films, Specifically, the one I love the most. Uh, this, this is Stanton Friedman. Now I sound like a clown because I don't. Uh, Stanton Fried, What's the Stanton Friedman movie? This is Stanton Friedman. Stanton T. Friedman is real. We Stanton can change Friedman the title. Oh, you did change we, the title. All right. No, we we could. We could call it whatever we want. <laughs> See, I, I I outsmarted Paul by making him feel bad for me by starting the show, so he won't pick on me as much. No. <laughs> he's he's an amazing guy, folks. Paul Kimball and. Uh, you know, I hadn't seen him in eight years, and this is going to be a laid-back edition of the show. This is going to be two buddies talking and, and recounting uh, recounting this, this trip and this amazing time. So, Paul, welcome back to Banal of America Audio. Thank you for everything. You know, I said this to you in person, and I said it on Facebook. Now I want to say it on, on the show here. Thank you for everything taking care of me when I was up there, man. I really, really do appreciate it. Oh, it was great to have you here, Tim. And just let me say uh, my condolences for your friend there. I I know how that goes. Several years ago, uh, my good friend Mac Tony's passing away far too young, so it's always sad when that uh, when that happens. So uh, my condolences. I know it's been Thanks. a tough tough week for you, um, but two weeks ago, before the sadness, yeah, we had a lot of fun, and it was uh, it was my pleasure. You're welcome anytime, except for 2017. That that might be a bad year, but otherwise, anytime. I don't even want to know. Yeah, neither do I. It's now that I've said it, it's probably going to come true. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just pick that number at random. I was trying to give myself like a year and a half uh, to prepare for it, but it's not enough. I should have said like 2058. Oh no. <laughs> so uh, as I said, we kind of have a loose, loosey goosey sort of uh, format here tonight because just to catch folks up to speed who may not really kind of know what we're talking about. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, August 7th, 8th, and 9th. Uh, in Liverpool, Nova Scotia, was the first ever East Coast Paracon. Uh, Paul was a speaker. Stan Friedman was a speaker. Lauren Coleman was a speaker. Chip Coffey had a special presentation there. Uh, and a whole host of local speakers were there as well. And I was there on vacation. So we uh, all came together for a fun weekend up in Canada. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about observations from the uh, from the trip in general and stuff I picked up from being in Canada, uh, I guess for the second time, but new observations I made, and, uh, yeah, all that good stuff. So before we get into all that, Paul, what have you been up to for the ardent BOA Audio listeners, you know, who are familiar with your many appearances on the program? Give them an update on what you've been working on uh, since they last heard from you. Well, it's it's um, 
I've been recovering from helping my fellow Canadians repel the uh, Feeney and Benal of America invasion <laughs> of two weeks ago. I mean, that was whew, that was tough, but still, the true North, strong and free, we're still uh, we're still an independent country. So that's that's good news. Other than that, uh, I spent most of the summer shooting a feature film, which I'm now uh, heavy into post production on. Um, should be out in December, called Exit Thread. So um, so yeah, that basically takes up all my time. I don't really do all. I think I've developed um, uh, plantar, what is it, the foot thing. Plantar fasciitis? Yeah, I think so. I got up a couple days ago, and I couldn't, like, this shooting pain through my heel, and I went, ah, and it's getting worse, so I'm going to actually have to go see a foot doctor or something. I feel like Ryan Zimmerman of the Washington Nationals. Yeah. Because he he had that earlier this year. Um, Nobody needs to know that, but if there are any foot doctors out there. Other than that, yeah, everything's... Kelly's a foot doctor. Is she? Yeah, you didn't know that? Oh, she's a foot nurse, right. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe I could... There you go. And she's uh, listening, I'm sure, so get in, t- get in touch. Help me! It hurts. <laughs> um, uh, other than that, yeah, no, basically eat, sleep, drink um, non-alcoholic beverages, and uh, edit my film. That's basically what I've been up to. Right. And, um, yeah, so it'll be good to wade into the paranormal or the strange events of Liverpool, Nova Scotia, which, by the way, folks, not only is it Liverpool, Nova Scotia, but it's also on the banks of the Mersey River in Nova Scotia. So it's like an alternate dimension, Liverpool. So it's not Liverpool, England, but it's Liverpool, Nova Scotia, with the Mersey River and no Beatles. No, no Beatles. Although a Beatle did play there once. Just the Pete, the, the drummer, Pete, though, right? Yeah, Pete, Pete Best, I think, played a gig in Liverpool once. We were supposed to open for him. And we couldn't go. Ironically enough, because our drummer was unavailable. Oh, weird. So if only we had had Ringo to fill in, then we could have gone down. But, yeah. Nice, nice. Now, yeah, so I'm going to try and share my thoughts on Canada as we go along. And uh, I'm going to be on my best behavior, though, because the last time I did one of these conference breakdowns, I think I got banned from the town of Exeter. So we don't want that to happen with Canada. What could you possibly say that would be negative about Canada? We're a wonderful country with better potato chips than you have. You guys have world-class potato chips, yes. Yeah. Oh, Kelly uh, says she's listening. Yeah, we'll, we'll, let's give the shout-out now so we don't forget. I'm sure we'll, we'll mention. Uh, she says she can help your, your plantar fasciitis. There you go. Perfect. Uh, Kelly Conley and Linda, uh, Linda Rafuse from the Crossover Paranormal Society. They were kind of like the uh, the straws that stirred the drink most of the weekend uh, at the East Coast Paracon, along with a lot of other people. Um, but they, those were the two that we kind of befriended the most. So uh, they were awesome, and all the people of the East Coast Paracon uh, were awesome, and the crossover paranormal. Uh, it was fun. I don't know how you are. I, well, I, I mean, I, I can imagine, but it's like it was fun being, in a way, like the wizened dude who's been a part of these for a while because they were just, like, so tired, and it's an exhausting experience to sort of be running one of these things or even be a part of, like, the staff of one of these uh, conferences. So it was like... I was kind of bemused to see them go operating on like three hours of sleep. It was rough. Yeah, no, it was um, it was interesting too because it's the first time they've ever done it, and um, they were asking our advice on you know potential speakers, and I'm just thinking this is a dream come true. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, so I think it's safe to say we can mention one name, but we won't mention others. Some, some we said, look, here's people we would recommend. Like I, I happily recommended Nick Redfern, for instance, yeah. or Aaron Gullius or Greg Bishop. Um, but Stephen Greer's name came up. And, you know, I, had, I had a long, relatively long conversation with them about the ins and outs of Greerdom and why... <laughs> 
that was probably not a good idea. And so, you know, they were like, oh, okay, good, good to know, check, check, check. And uh, so if you see if you see a conference lineup next year that looks surprisingly like something that uh, – that Tim or I might have created, we, we, you know, you never know. But, uh, <laughs> yes, our fingerprints may be on next year's event. Yeah, small. They're, they're very, they're great people. They ran a great show. It's always tough to do a first year hmm. um, of anything. It's tough to make a first album. It's tough to make a first film. It's tough to be, you know, first year as president. It's tough to run a first year of a paranormal conference. And so, for the most part, there were a couple hiccups. Um, but for, there always are. Right. For the most part, you know, they ran a really, what I would say, fun event. Mm. I mean, I've been to the X conference, Bassett's, you know, uh, event. I've been to the International UFO Conference in um, in uh, when it was in Laughlin, Nevada. I've been to a MUFON symposium, and the one thing that I would say about, and I ran my own. Uh, the one thing I would say about the uh, East Coast Paracon is, of all of those, it was the most. Um, leaving mine aside, because I get to hang out with my friends. Right. It was fun. It was like there was a genuine atmosphere of open-minded sort of gee whiz. This is just really cool that we have Stan Freeman and Lauren Coleman and Chip Coffee here, and, and we really want to talk and meet these guys. As opposed to, um, you know, the X Conference, where the general mood was the government's out to get us. Yeah, yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. Not a happy vibe. Or you know, the International UFO Conference can be fun, but only if you plant your tongue firmly in cheek, mm. because everybody who's there is so serious. But it, it it can be a little fun, and the Mufon symposiums they're they're not fun, they're not they're not unfun. They're just they're, these people take themselves too seriously. Exactly, that's the words I was going to say. Yeah, the, these folks took the subject seriously, but they didn't take themselves too seriously. I mean, everybody it was there to have fun. It was, and I think you get that with a smaller town like Liverpool's a town of maybe twenty five hundred people. It's um, fairly isolated. It's about two two hours from Halifax. And, uh, you know, I think in that small town kind of community, you you have that sense of community where it's a much more um, enjoyable event to attend where everybody's just having fun and nobody's getting bent out of shape or, or anything. I mean, there was, a, there was the angel lady whose name escapes me. I, I can't remember her name, but she had written books about angels. Karen and Forrest. Karen Forrest. There you go. And she came on after I did, and she came up, and she was she was like a whirling dervish of Tasmanian devil energy. Mm. And I, I had no idea who she was or what she was doing, but I knew she was speaking because she was a replacement. A guy, the last speaker today was going to be on Oak Island, and and because of a, I think a death in the family, he couldn't make it, so they they plugged her in at the last minute. That's fine. And she, oh, I really liked your talk, and blah 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 blah. You're so easygoing and so good in front of an audience, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull that off, and blah 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 blah. And I went. Uh, nice meeting you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. so I walked away, and uh, and I I tried to stay and see every speaker. So I said, look, I'm, you know, she was nice to me. Uh, I'm gonna I should be out trying to sell books, but I'm gonna stay and listen to her lecture. And that was both a mistake and an interesting choice that worked out well, I guess, because I think you know. I, She's a very nice lady, but she seemed, you know, crazy. And she was, it was a, it was a, I've never been, I've been to some weird lectures. Like I've seen people at the International UFO Conference talk about Billy Meyer. Hmm. It doesn't get much weirder than that. And I've seen Jonathan Reed on uh, oh, wow. television when Jaime Mossan, I've watched the video of his appearances with Jaime Mossan. This lady was just so far out there that for the first 10 minutes I went, Okay, can I get out of this room without being... No, I can't. 
there's there's only about 50 people here at this moment, and uh, they're going to notice if I leave, so I got to stay. And then it sort of took on a kind of like, huh, okay, in for a penny, in for a pound. Let's just see where this goes. Yeah, and yeah. It just kept getting weirder and weirder, and she was calling down bad angels and good angels, or I, I have no idea. And yet, here's the thing. Everybody, and I'm sure of the people who were half thought she was like completely insane. The other half actually seemed to go, angels, this makes sense. Tell us more. Right. And um, and it was just so surreal, but it, everybody seemed to be sort of, you know, like having fun. Nobody was laughing at her or laughing with her. Just kind of like, yeah, okay, this is weird. This is not what I would normally uh, be in for, but uh, let's just enjoy the ride and see where it goes. And by the end, I kind of went, yeah, I'm sort of glad I sat through that hour and a half long um, you know, black hole event horizon of oh wait, it isn't an event horizon. I can get out of of angeldom. It was it was madness, and yet enticingly, she was giving away free stuff too, which I've <laughs> yeah, never yeah. seen at a conference, including me. I didn't give away free stuff. Thought of it, but um, she she said, okay, who wants a copy of um, my book? And nobody raised their hands because I think everybody thought, oh, we're going to have to pay for it. She said, it's free. It's free. <laughs> it's like the hands go up. And she gave away three or four more copies of her books. And I thought, well, even if I think she's crazy, she's giving away free stuff. Yeah. This is this is fun. Um, so, yeah, you know, it was that kind of weekend where um, even the speeches, if I had heard something like that at the, uh, the X conference, I probably would have, uh, and I would have walked out. But because of just the vibe at the East Coast Paraconference, I said, yeah, let's just roll with it. You know, let's have some fun. And uh, that's kind of the vibe. That's kind of the vibe the whole thing had, which was great. Yeah, that pretty much, yeah. When you said gee whiz, that was kind of like, yeah, it summed it up. There was people who, it seemed like they were just kind of like, um, just get generous. Just they They hadn't got that jaded, cynical aspect of it all yet. So it was like really nice to be around that. Well, yeah, and it was very par- it was a paranormal conference because um, uh, Stan was talking about UFO crashes, uh, alleged UFO crashes. Lauren was there talking about Bigfoot or you know monsters. I shouldn't call them monsters. Creatures like Bigfoot, so the Yowie, yeah. the Aaron, but that kind of hominid creature. Not hmm. and so he threw in some other cryptids too. That's true, um, but he didn't have the paranormal aspect like Nick would, where he would be talking about tulpas or something. But yeah. still. Most people would consider Bigfoot paranormal. Uh, Chip Coffey was doing the psychic medium thing. Weirdly enough, they had a couple of ladies who'd written a book about um, a poltergeist case in Amherst, Nova Scotia, that I'd never heard of, in the late 19th century. And while I found their presentation a little dry, and if Aaron Gullius is listening, he'll appreciate this, they they treated it as sort of as historians. They spent, I think, a little too much time talking about her family history, which... Um, you know, get, get me to the paranormal stuff, folks. Right, right. But still, they were skeptics. At the end, they debunked the story. They said, look, we think that this was a person with psychological problems and everything. And um, I thought, well, okay, that's refreshing to hear at a paranormal conference. Usually, uh, they would have gone right off the deep end into Satan was there kind of thing. Exactly. But they yeah. went. To, so there was a little bit of everything. They had a ghost author panel, which unfortunately, because you and I had been out exploring the night before, I missed that because mm. it was first thing in Saturday. It was early. Yeah, it was, it was very early. Um, but I know two of the authors and everybody who was there said it was really uh, Steve Vernon, uh, Vernon Oikel, and um, Daryl Walsh, who's a, and they're all authors of ghost related books up here. And, um, you know, that was everything they did kind of. Um, all the speakers were, were nice people, they were fun people, and um, it was sort of a potpourri of the paranormal. 
So it wasn't just UFOs, or it wasn't just yeah. um, Bigfoot. And then there was my lecture, which was just a, uh, a hot mess, as they would say. A sprawling, I had everything. Yeah, uh, that's kind of, you kind of were the good, you were kind of like the cheese on top or something, you know. You kind of pulled it all together a little bit, uh, you know. Indeed. You, you captured uh, the, you, the UFOs and the and the ghosts and, and the paranormal in general, so yeah. And I proposed to you. Yes, you did, in a, in a, in a made-up language. In a made-up language, yes. There's actually a picture somebody took of me on one knee um, in front of witnesses proposing a marriage to Tim in Valencian, which is not an actual language. So, mm. so it doesn't. it's not legally binding. Exactly, I was going to say, yeah. So yeah. it's not legally binding. Indeed. So to, to uh, I guess it's hard to really even begin, but uh, I'll try. So I drove up uh, with my family uh and met Paul at this. Uh, this is part one of how awesome Paul is because he drove like two hours up to New Brunswick uh, to get me. Right, that's in New Brunswick. Yeah, Allack. He picked me yeah. up at some shady-looking gas station in Allack, New Brunswick. Which uh, <laughs> I don't know. Irving, it seems like it's just like one of those roadside things. I don't know. It's cool though. It's the Irving Big Stop. It's legendary. It's the we should have eaten there. It's, they've got great diners. I heard they have great restaurants at the Irvings. Yeah, they most of them. Yeah. So then Paul drove me. So dro- Paul drove up two hours, and then then drove me two hours back to Halifax. So again, like I, I'm just, I was really in awe of that. It, the more it sunk in too later on, I was just like, Jesus, dude, this guy's uh, unbelievable. So I really appreciate it. And uh, what there was something about the, no, I don't recall. Oh yeah, just that you don't have a cell phone, so you don't. So I was all paranoid because I was going to be like a half hour late. And, and uh, but you told me not to worry about it, so I tried not to. Yeah, I was like actually 20 minutes early, so I just spent about an hour um, hanging out in the parking lot watching trucks come in because it's a truck stop, and it was a lovely day. You know, it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's a rural area, so it's just like, ah, this is lovely. This is much nicer than the city. So, yeah, it was all good. Yeah, okay, good. Do you think you'll ever get a cell phone? No. So you have the iPad, though. I feel like you're, all, I feel like you're, just, all, you're just missing the phone part. The truth is, it's not the actual interconnectivity that bothers me, because I do have an iPad, and I obviously use Facebook a lot yeah. and whatever. I just hate phones. I don't like talking to people on a phone um, in general. So I don't answer my phone at home. I have a landline. I never answer it. I prefer to deal with people face-to-face, or I prefer to write things down. But I've, I've sort of, me and phones don't get along all that well, okay. although I seem to be doing fine now. So that's probably what it really is. And I hate texting. The idea of oh, I know. texting I'm, is uh, people who text should be shot. Uh, and the, see, the problem with texting, too, we're just going to turn into old man radio now, but the problem yeah. with texting is, like, uh, you don't text. I Obviously, you don't text. Uh, no. I just started texting in, like, the last two years. And it's just, like, I'm so behind the curve on how to do it. Do you know what I mean? It's like you text someone, you don't wait for them. You don't know when they're going to get back to you. You have no, you know, it's just too frustrating. It's just too weird. But there's like a whole generation of people that just, that's all they do is text. So it's really like almost like speaking in a foreign language to people sometimes because they're just like, they text in a whole different way. It's hard. It's bizarre. Yeah, I'm going to become Ted Kaczynski at some point because I'm a, I'm a grammar Nazi. I mean, I really am. I'm a hardline Nazi when it comes to grammar. I am and too, and that's why texting sucks text, for me too. It is. Like you it's have to go back ruining. and you're like, oh, I need a comma and apostrophe in there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Where's the Oxford commas? Where's the capitals? It's ruining people. It's uh, it's ruining language. It's ruining. I actually think it's making communication, real communication between people, harder mm. because they. Uh, and this touches. Look, so we don't be accused of old men. This touches on a theme that I was talking about in my lecture, which is communication and how aliens might communicate to us or whatever. So there's the tangential <laughs> link, which allows me to rant for thirty seconds. But it was it's ruining communication. It's ruining. People think they're communicating, but they're not actually communicating. And and as they text, um, studies have been. Have shown that we become less, especially kids, are are growing up less inclined to human interaction, like you know, and more inclined to interact on this on the web or um, on Ashley Madison. Maybe I don't know. There's there's my topical reference for nice. today. Nice. So I I don't know. I just everything about it. It I never thought I'd become the crazy cranky old uncle kind of guy, but I've become the crazy cranky old uncle. I I just I loathe it. And uh, while I recognize the utility, and I really do like Facebook, but I, I don't use Facebook really to interact in terms of you know chatting with people. Yeah. I use it to just post stuff. So to me, it's like a bulletin board um, of crazy cat pictures and stuff. <laughs> Texting and cell phones, no. Can't do it. So I'd rather wait 50 minutes at the border in New Brunswick going, hey, where's Tim? I must be running late. I'm fine. Because uh, that's how we used to do it back in the old days. All right. Well, I appreciate that you were, yeah. I felt wicked bad, but then I was like, hey, this, yeah. my, my hands are tied. Um, now, if you've been two hours late. We, I'll be honest with you, dude. We were. I thought we were going to be two hours late. My God bless her, my crazy mother drove like a, over 100 miles an hour. Not kil, not, kilom, not kilometers either. Like 100, like you six. I'm like, oh my God, this is insane. So like, you, you know, I, we, yeah, I don't know if you use GPS or not, but it's like the GPS has your estimated arrival time. And like she's going so fast that things like clicking down like a minute every every like every five minutes she was shaving time off of the trip. It was like, oh my god, this is like <laughs> this is frightening. But, yeah, I don't use GPS either. As my friend, uh, my producing partner Andrew Sewell, will t- tell you, I hate GPS as well. I got news for you. That's what maps were made for. Take a look at the map before you leave, and then take the map with you. And then if you get lost, eh, wing it. Um, the journey is the destination. I actually really do believe that. And this idea of using GPS, first of all, I think GPS, more people get lost using GPS than not. I think this Skynet at some point will take over and go, turn left here, and the next thing you know, you'll drive your car into an ocean, part of the robot revolution. But, you know, sometimes the best trips are the ones where you turn right, where you're not supposed to, and then after the inevitable fight with your girlfriend, wife, fiance, whoever it is you're traveling with, about yeah. whose fault it is, you go, hey, you know what, where we wound up, this is actually pretty cool, let's explore. And uh, and so, yeah, that's I'm not a GPS guy either. I'm like, right. I'm like Thoreau. I live in my own little Walden world. This is a good connection to what happened to me on the next day. Uh, so Paul, Paul picks me up, brings me to Halifax, got me a really awesome place in the hipster district of uh, Halifax for the night. Um, Really a cool place. It was like a it was like a uh, like a hostel. I uh, really really liked that place a lot. The Commons Inn on Agricola Street in Halifax. For anyone who's wondering. Yes, the Commons Inn. There you go. I'll come back in actually to the story. This connects all to this this phone GPS thing. Um, so then we go out for a drink and a burger. Uh, really an excellent burger too. Um, do you know the name of that place? <laughs> Ace Burgers, consistently voted the best burger place in Halifax year after year, and it's on the corner of North Street and Agricola in Gus's Pub, which is the uh, hipster swinging indie music locale now in Halifax. So 
Right, right. And even though I, I uh, you know, I, I rip on hipsters on the show, I do like, you know, make, gives me makes me feel young again to be around them, even though they probably look at me with scorn. But me too. That's why I like Greg Bishop because he's the ultimate hipster. Exactly. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that the hipsters probably wouldn't look at with scorn. Maybe exactly. like one of us, one of us. <laughs> Actually, he hates hipsters, so that's why I'm. I'm oh. he, he, he hates them. Now we made. <laughs> Now he made it even worse. So we we go to Ace Burger and uh, then Paul has work to do. So he uh, he passes me off. He hands me off uh, to Graham Sims, who will be on the show eventually here on the program. He's the co-author of uh, Impact to Contact: The Shag Harbor Incident, and uh, he joined us uh, at the Oak Island event. So he he had, he met up with me originally back eight years ago. And uh, so let me see here. He, he wrote. That book with uh, Chris Stiles, that uh, Impact Contact. And we spent some time talking about UFOs and fun stuff like that, and then Graham and I went to... Uh, we tried to convince Graham of the of the problems with the Roswell slides, but he's, he, he didn't seem like he was having it. So we'll, I'll have to ask him about it when we get him back on the show. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so then the next day... Got to give a shout out to Graham here because uh, I have like multiple phone issues. This is why I mentioned this connects to the story here because uh, I don't know how much of this I told you. First, the phone wouldn't work, uh, my iPhone. So I'm wandering around downtown Halifax trying to figure out what's going on here. My phone won't work. Luckily, since I can talk to the Siri thing, uh, she could fix it, which is kind of amazing. So that was one good thing. And Graham sort of toured me around Halifax and showed me like some of the various areas and stuff like that. And uh, then we split up, and he went back to his place and there, at this, like, giant park. And he kind of, like, just pointed me in the direction of, of the uh, Commons Inn. And uh, this, is, this is, like, spooky in a way, because I had no... My phone died. And for some reason, because I'm a lunatic, I had no idea what the name of the Commons Inn was. I just, went, I just relied entirely on the technology. So I was like, well, I'll just use the GPS to get me back to the hotel. I'll go on Facebook to get the name of it. But once the phone was dead, I had no access to any of that information. So I literally wandered around downtown Halifax for like a half an hour, uh, maybe even like an hour, just just sort of like saying in my mind, like in, it was some kind of in, 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 and eventually I, I remembered that it was Commons Inn and like stumbled into some antique shop where they looked at me like I was a lunatic. And I was like, where's the Commons Inn? And they're like, oh, two streets over. I was like, oh, thank God. So the the power rest of my case. Yeah. I rest my case. <laughs> yeah, true story. True story. The perils of uh of the cell phone. I was like, oh, I'll never let that happen again. You're a nut. And and it's not like it's a hard name to remember. It's not like it was the Ferdinand and Isabella dormitory of reformed young schoolgirls or something. It's the Commons Inn. That's which, that's so basic though. That's probably why I couldn't remember it. That's you probably would have remembered the other one, Reformed yeah. Schoolgirls. What exactly? No, but the the Commons Inn um, just for some reason Tim couldn't remember the name. And Ace Burgers again, not exactly. You know that's that's not uh, uh, Tolstoy-esque. Tolstoy-esque. I don't. I have no idea. Ace Burgers, the Commons Inn. You can tell I live in a very very sort of normal neighborhood of, when it comes to names. Oh, and across the street is Smith's Bakery. So Ace Burger, Smith's Bakery, Commons Inn, they try and make it simple for folks. Hmm. And yet Tim, somehow, still got lost. 
Yeah, Commons Inn. It's hard to remember. <laughs> it used to be the King Edward Inn. That probably that, I would definitely would remember that. Yeah. Um, and the only oh the other observation I made uh, about Halifax that I didn't post on Facebook that I wanted to mention I mentioned it to Paul uh, when we were hanging out. I was really just blown away by how fit the city was, specifically the women. Like it was unbelievable, folks. I was like in absolute awe. I was like just every every woman I saw in Halifax was was in, in tremendous shape. I was like, oh my god, I feel like such a schlub in this city. It's unbelievable. So kudos to your town. It's all part of our plan to invade the United States. We uh, please do. Number is <laughs> ten case. to one, so we have to be ten times in better shape. Listen, I'll be waiting at the border. We just keep shipping beer and lobster and donuts down to you, get you big and fat, and eventually when we show up to invade, you'll just go, ah, whatever. It was tremendous. I was really, uh, yeah, I was blown away by the ladies of Halifax. So kudos to them. Uh, not, it, it didn't seem to take to the rest of where I went, so I think it's an urban thing too, but who knows. People in the city, they got to look good or something. I don't know. No comment. I, I have no comment. Yeah, no, no, that's not a no. That's that was just a general statement. Um, I just mean it was like overwhelmingly. It was just like, what is going on here? That's what I was like. I felt like I was on another planet. He did talk about it for for at some length. He was like, I can't believe it. All the women here are just that they're so fit and they're in shape and everything else. And I went, yeah, just sort of. I guess seems normal to me. He's like, well, it's not like this home. Blah blah. It's not so. Yeah. All right, so then uh, that's pretty much my time in Halifax. It was a really short stay. Love the hotel. We put over all this stuff, uh, put over Graham Sims. So then Paul and I traveled to uh, to Liverpool, about an hour and a half, two hours south of Halifax. Um, had a spirited debate about all sorts of wrestling-related stuff uh, throughout the whole thing. We won't bore you folks with that. but Yeah, we didn't talk about the paranormal at all, really. It was all wrestling, basically. Right. It was all rough to the point where you we were driving through like Lunenburg, which is like this historic town uh, that's really nice and gorgeous, and and you're like you know kind of pointing things out, and I'm just like there will never be. I was just like you know I couldn't even get off of like some argument about Edge or or the WWE Network. <laughs> you're like yeah, just look a, around. <laughs> it was the network. It's like this is a world UNESCO World Heritage Historic Site, Tim. Yeah, and the WWE Network. You're completely wrong and you're unimaginative. But take a look at this building over here. It's like ah. Yeah. I, I'm surprised you even remember you were in Lunenburg. <laughs> you were, you weren't frothing at the mouth, but yes, it was a spirited conversation. Right. And, right. Then, and then he said, "I got to stop and use the bathroom." So we found a Tim Hortons, which yeah. is um, you can find one of those anywhere. And uh, we got some coffee and used the washroom, and then we trundled along. Mm. Um, I think while continuing, no, we I think we stopped talking about the WWE shortly after. Yeah, that. yeah. So, or as I call them, Tios. Hose. Yes. That hasn't really caught on up here yet. Mm. Now listen to this. I was noticed this so I was up there. Maybe you can this is something I don't know if you've noticed uh but it happened to me several times. They seem like they're always running out of things up there at Tihos. Like I, several times I would go like later at night and they would be like, "No, we don't have the chicken sandwich anymore. We're out of well, it." Well, like, what is that? The key word is in your sentence later at night. Right, right. So, yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of Tim Hortons, although I do like their soups. They used to make things fresh and sort of from scratch, including their donuts. Several years ago, um, they stopped doing that, and now it's all kind of prefab made, and uh, including their donuts. So their coffee is swill. 
their donuts are mediocre at best, and their food, actually, you know, the best part about them, ironically now, is their food. Yeah. Because they used to be a coffee and donut place. Those are two things they can't get right anymore. Uh, their coffee is horrible. And, it's bad, yeah. It made me sick yeah, of no, home. It's, it's terrible. But um, but their food, their soup is actually okay, and their sandwiches, you know, it's pretty hard to screw up a grilled cheese sandwich, and uh, you seem to like their jalapeno chicken. Yeah, it was great. So, um, yeah, he was two-fisting them, folks. He was, he was ordering two. He'd say, yeah, can you wrap that one up for me? And um, I, the thing I noticed about Tim is he always refers to people who work at places. Um, I can't say this whether you do this with guys because we didn't really have any guys' service, but it was always women. He always refers to them by their name. He's like, hey, Kaylee, um, you know, uh, how's it going today? And I'm just thinking, no, 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 I just order your coffee, man. So <laughs> he, he, he's, he's much more polite. He, it was very Canadian. Because I usually just go, hi, uh, I'll have a coffee or whatever, and then, yeah, have a nice day. But but he was engaging them and chatting them up and being witty and friendly. So oh, it, was a, it was a kinder, gentler Tim than all. See? See? I matured since the last time I was there. Not camping helped. <laughs> Although we just ripped on Tim Horton, so now we'll be um, hated in Canada. So Yeah. Well, I, oh, well, it just seemed to me it was like, geez, you guys got to get more of your stuff. How do you keep running out of like chicken and and sausage or what? You know, it's just weird. It was just really. Well, weird. they're very popular too. So people, yeah. I mean, it's their licenses to print money. Hmm. If you oh, want like, a Tim sure. Hortons, it's just. Phew. So um, so yeah. Anyway, that's enough about Tihos, yeah. which again has not caught on. I know. Well, if there's any Canadians listening, which I'm sure there are. Tihos, try it out. It has like a really. I like it. it has a charming ring to it. He actually ran that by a girl who was working at a Tim Hortons, he said, so does anybody here um, ever call you guys T-Hose? And I started to back away. And I'm just thinking, oh, that can be taken in such a wrong way. Oh, I know how, yeah, yeah. I, I know how he means it, but I'm not sure. And she seemed to be, she seemed to, she didn't get it, but she seemed to go with the flow and he explained it. And, and she thought it was funny, but I just thought, you know, there's a few T-Hose that you could be in where maybe that wouldn't have gone. So. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Okay, so we drive down, uh, then we get to Liverpool, gorgeous place. Uh, the hotel's like set back, which is cool, but it has a, it has a, it gives a spooky vibe to it, which I actually liked. Um, it's set back like a Texas prison or something. You know, it's like a, it's a huge lawn. You have to walk like a huge way on this lawn to get to anything else. And it's like, you, it's just, you, I wouldn't want to walk, well, we did walk there at night, but it's it's spooky. It's spooky. Yeah, it is. Um. And uh, so the yeah, so we go in first day. I want to put over uh, the opening ceremony. Melissa Labrador, the Micmac artisan and uh, cultural spiritual awareness workshop facilitator. She gave a really cool sort of opening thing that kind of you know just uh, with with this stuff called smudge, which is this uh, like incense that she burned in a, in a, like a little uh, shell thing and kind of wafted at people in the audience. It was cool. It was nice. You know, it was uh, kind of got got everything off on the right note in a way. You know, it was like we're here to have some have some fun and experience some different things and stuff. So I thought that was really nice. Yes, and I will chime in and say um, it was a lovely Mi'kmaq ceremony. Um, Tim's using the the old school pronunciation Mi'kmaq. Mm. We still have the Mi'kmaq Mall, but generally speaking, I, I believe it's Mi'kmaq now. Mm. So I'm, we're giving both sides of the coin there. Okay. Well, I have yeah. Mi'kmaq ancestry. There you uh, go. Yeah. Good to hear you. The, now, there we are. So, yeah, that was nice. Was it weird? Not weird, 
it was weird because normally you don't see stuff like that. The only thing I can ever compare it to is the other really fun conference I once went to and spoke at, which was the 2008 Retro UFO Conference held at the Integraton in the middle of nowhere in California. Boy, right. that was hot. Yeah. And uh, they, they had the same kind of a very spiritual opening. It was um, Reverend, in quotation marks, Bob Short, who's an old contactee. And uh, I think... I think there was a Native American there too. I'm not. I'm pretty sure there was. And anyway, they they a circle and they did. Um, yeah, of course there were. There were drums and stuff. And they did this sort of um, spiritual welcoming ceremony. And I thought, yeah. So the only other time I'd ever seen it, you'll never get that at Steve Bassett's conference. Um, you get a 20 minute diatribe against you know the NSA or something. So it was. Yeah, nice. yeah. Somebody might bust out like a voodoo doll of Obama or something. <laughs> exactly. Disclosure, President, my ass. Poke, 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 poke. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, feel the pain, Obama. Poke. Uh, so, yeah, that was nice. That was uh, I thought that was actually a really uh, cool way. And it was also the kind, it was the kind of thing you would only see at a conference that was held in the Maritimes. Because, obviously, obviously yeah. uh, that's where the Mi'kmaq are native to. You wouldn't see it in British Columbia or Arizona or something. So, yeah, it was cool. It, was, it added a nice piece of authenticity of homely of hominess to the to the location. Hmm. Uh then was in the, in the best western hotel, which was <laughs> like a prison from the walking dead, but a a really nice prison, I have to say. Oh, it they was gave, fantastic it, inside. It was just a weird yeah. like setting where you It was where it was, yeah. Yeah. I nope. had a suite. They gave me a suite, which was awesome. Thank you very much, folks. So I had a living room. It was bigger it was bigger than my apartment. It was nice. I, thought, I wonder yeah. if I could I was just thinking, I wonder if I could live here. And then I realized they charged me like 200 bucks a day, so perhaps not. But How do you like this? I was outside uh, the second night, connects to that in a way, because I, out- I was outside the second night on the patio just having some beers by myself and reading my iPad. And uh, this dude came down. He was having a cigarette. We kind of got out to chatting, and there were, something happened with his house where the insurance company completely messed up, and he'd been living there for three months. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that story went in a direction I didn't see it going. Isn't that weird, yeah. Because it started off sad, really. I was out having a couple beers by myself on the patio at the isolated Best Western in Liverpool, Nova Scotia. Reading my and iPad. I wasn't reading just my crying. iPad at 1 o'clock in the morning. And then this guy came out and chatted me up. Where's this story going with him? <laughs> but, uh, but it ended up in a nice place. And then he, he sent me a... Uh, a Facebook message or something saying, hey, dude, I'm underneath your window. You want to come down? And I'm thinking, uh, it's 1 in the morning, Tim. We just finished a ghost investigation. i got to speak at at 9 or whatever in the morning. Go, I politely was like, mm. I think I'm just going to grab some sleep here, Tim. Thank you for the offer, though. <laughs> but it, was a, it was a Romeo and Juliet moment. It was. That probably inspired the uh, the proposal the next day, now that we think. Yeah, that's actually where it, where it came from, yeah. Um. So then there was the meet and greet, which is, you know, it's a meet and greet, folks. What I liked about this, I should put this over, too, is like, uh, because we know Stan, and you just met Lauren, but you knew him, you know, uh, virtually, let's say, uh, leading into all this. So, but the cool part was, was like, there was really, a lot of these things, you you go for the meet and greet, and there was like so much time, you could really, you, you never were unable to talk to these guys. Which is great, not just for us who know them, but for people who wanted to ask questions and stuff. They were incredibly accessible, so that's that's a good thing. Because I, you know, I'm not gonna. This isn't a criticism, but you know, at the at the Exeter event, there was just so many people that you couldn't even get a word in edgewise with Stan, and it's like, oh god. Uh, but this, there was still a lot of people at the East Coast Paracon, but it was 
formatted in a way that there was a lot of sort of uh, downtime or or just time available to talk to these guys, which was great. There was, and that would be one of my critiques on other days that um, some of the scheduling there was too much time, you know, sort of lost some energy between speakers hmm. sometimes because they built in this time uh, where people could wander through the vendor rooms or whatever. And my my theory is people are not going to go see every lecture. They will find their own time to wander through vendor rooms. What you want to do is you want to sort of keep the energy going as much as possible. But on the opening night, um, and I'm, that doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. That's just how I would do it. Yeah. On the opening night, <coughs> oh, excuse me. Bless you. <coughs> that's Yeah, there you go. There's karma telling me you're wrong. Um, there was plenty of time, and apparently they started, like, we got there at 3 o'clock, and people were wandering in and out throughout the entire day sort of thing. The only person who didn't um, participate in the meet and greet, who had his own table that he was supposed to sit at, was Paul Kimball. Because <laughs> yeah. I I hate doing that. I just hate sitting at a table and having people come over and chat with me. I prefer to chat with them, as I did. I wandered through the crowd, and I... I hung out with Stan and Lauren and, and sort of participated a bit in chats they had with other people. And then I, I met some people at a, you know just wandering around. I kind of prefer it that way. I don't like to be the, you know, have the spotlight. People won't believe this when I say it, but I really don't like, you know, sort of having the spotlight shining on me and people feeling like they have to come by your table and say hello. So I, I kind of just wandered. But everybody else, yeah, it was very excessive. It was very casual. Yeah, yeah, good which, word. Which yeah. was nice. Yeah. yeah. There was nobody there in a suit and tie except for Stan. And um, but that's his gig. Right. That's casual for him. So yeah, it was very laid back, very casual. Um, yeah, it was a good. It was a sort of a good start. And then I think they had. We didn't go. I know where we went. Yes, yeah. of course they had a ghost investigation. They had four. They had a ghost walk on Friday night and Saturday night, and then they had four different ghost investigations at different sites. Um, I can't remember them all. One is the Hank Snow Museum. I got it here. I got it. Uh, the other one was the Astor Theater, which we went to on Saturday. What were the other two? Uh, well, on Friday night it was Queens County Museum, Lane's Privateer Inn, Hank right. Snow Museum, and the Grace Space. Oh, okay. And the Astor was uh, the next night. Well, it's not listed oh. here, so I'm not sure why. Uh, yeah, but okay. anyway, yeah. Yeah, so all these different sites around. And the thing to know about Nova Scotia, especially the South Shore, is uh, for Americans – it's kind of like Maine. So there's a reason Stephen King wrote all those spooky books about Maine. You know, it's just generally a spooky place with a lot of, uh, you know, raggedy coastline with a lot of inlets and small towns and hamlets and um, long history of stories of hauntings and ghost ships and all sorts of strange things. Yeah, like a rich but, maritime know, history, yeah, too. Very, very paranormal history. And um, Helen Creighton was the legendary Atlantic Canadian folklorist who compiled most of these stories in a book called Blue Nose Ghosts uh, many years ago. And so when we did a series here called Ghost Cases, um, it was originally going to be called Maritime Ghosts because we were doing it for a regional network. And I wanted to do a few episodes outside Nova Scotia or the Maritimes just for sales purposes. I thought, look, we could reach a bigger audience in sales if we do four or five episodes in the U.S. or the U.K., which is where we eventually wound up being. But there is no lack of ghost. We could have done like eight seasons of ten seasons of ghost stories here. And so you, every town has like 20 allegedly haunted places. So there's plenty of you know grist for the mill of ghost investigation. And I thought that was a really nice thing, too. They, 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 I 
I'm sure there are conferences that do this. I just hadn't been to one. Right. I guess the one the I guess UFO the ghost conference, conference probably almost definitely yeah. goes on that night or something. And the UFO conferences, I've I went to one once where they did a sky watch where you could drive out in the desert and sit on the hood of your car and look for UFOs. So fair enough. But uh, you know they did it at multiple sites too, which I thought was kind of cool. And they brought an invest. There was an investigation group from St. John, New Brunswick, that came down. Loyalist. Do you have the name? Is Loyalist Investigations or something? Um, I can get it, but it was definitely it was in tandem with the crossover paranormal society. Yes. So, so there were there were a yeah. group of people. Kelly led the one that we went on on uh, Saturday night. Uh, Linda Rafuse that night I know was at uh, the Hank Snow Museum because I ran into her after chip coffee and she said she was off to the Hank Snow Museum. So if you're a country music fan, you can go to the haunted Hank Snow Country Music Museum. And uh, that would be kind of fun. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that was that was Friday night. They did some of that. Tim and I did not go because we decided to explore the town. Yes. Yes. Moving on to Saturday. Well, no, I'll just. <laughs> the less we say, we found a bowling alley with a bar in it. That's right. All you need right. To know. That's really all you need to know, folks. We found a bowling alley with a bar in it, and uh, we didn't bowl. Yeah. Use your yeah. imagination, folks. We watched the Blue Jays beat the Red, uh, not the Red Sox, sorry, the Yankees that night. And yeah, so it was a, it was a good time. It was fun. It was definitely fun uh, getting away and sort of enjoying that. So then the next day, I was hurting, but I managed to get up right uh, bright and early and ready for the uh, for the author's panel, which I enjoyed quite a bit. I didn't stick around as long as I would have liked for it. Uh, but as you said earlier, Vernon Oikel, Daryl Walsh, and Steve Vernon they did the author's panel. They were great guys and uh, really great storytellers. Um, yeah, I, I know Vernon fairly well. I've I've read it. He writes fiction too, um, but um, I've read a number of his books. Daryl Walsh used to host a television series here in Canada for Space, the name of which escapes me. It was something like Paranormal Investigator or whatever. And uh, I don't know Steve Vernon at all, but um, but I hear he's quite good from Vernon Oikel. So um, so yeah, that would have been a, a good panel. I'm just surprised you weren't concussed. Uh, on Saturday morning when you get up. And that's my last comment about Friday night. But anyway, moving on. Right. Hey, um, man, I'm like Ric Flair. I party all night, but I'm ready for I'm ready for bell time the next it's day. It's true. You, were, you, you might have drank more than I did, but you were up earlier than I was. So clearly you're younger and your constitution still allows you to do that. <laughs> um, I, I was shocked. I came down. He went, hey, Kimball. I went, oh, my God, you're alive. I mean, up. Uh, how did that happen? And Years of practice. Yes, I've, I've been here all morning, man. It's like, oh, okay. Um, so yeah, that was that was all good fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to cross the T's and dot the I's. Daryl's show is Shadow Hunter on the Space Channel. And, That's what it was. Yeah. And the uh, the other ghost folks were Loyalist City Paranormal from New Brunswick. Perfect. Yeah. And yeah, Shadow Hunter was produced by a company here in Halifax, actually. So um, very maritime, very maritime oriented. I think it ran for two seasons. I'm hmm. not sure. Um. So yeah, I only hung out for a little bit of that because I really, I mean, be honest, folks, I, I really, one of the big reasons I came up is because I absolutely adore Lauren and Stan, and to be around them at the same time to me was like, uh, I likened it to meeting like Bob Dylan and Mick Jagger and getting to hang out with them in the same room at the same time. That's kind of, in a way, they're kind of the paranormal equivalent. So to me, it was like I listened to to the speakers, I enjoyed them, but then I'm like, I gotta get out there and get 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 in between the tables here, and I did. I hung out. Uh, literally, like between the two tables, Lauren and Stan out in the lobby, and just just chatted with them for, you know, for a good part of the morning, and really enjoyed it quite a bit. It was like a once in a lifetime opportunity to to hang out with them, sort of behind the velvet rope, if you will. 
So uh, kudos to those guys for being so welcoming and cool to me and just being like, hey, what's up, you know, catching up on stuff. So it was cool. What happened then? Then Lauren gave his presentation, and uh, I don't—I I hadn't seen Lauren in years do a presentation. I thought it was quite good. I thought it was really—I uh, thought it was funny. I thought it was interesting. I thought uh, the folks—the folks seemed to dig it a lot, and it covered a lot of stuff. So I enjoyed it quite a bit. But he, I he come into a lot it about having known a bunch of this stuff, so it's tough. He talked a lot about Bigfoot uh, sex organs, which I did not see coming, <laughs> but. Um, no pun intended. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but um, no double entendre intended. But, uh, yeah, you know, it was a very gra- down-to-earth, grounded. I've seen Nick Redfern give presentations. Nick takes a different perspective. Obviously, he's like they could be mystical creatures or creatures from other dimensions or tulpas or whatever. To which Lauren, I believe it would be safe to say, goes, yeah, no. But, um, so, you you know, it was an interesting perspective to me to see a presentation on Bigfoot and all these other cryptids, which was very uh, down-to-earth and, um, you know, taking a scientific look at things, Mm. trying to treat it as a science as opposed to more of a paranormal. I don't think Lauren used the word paranormal once, actually. Uh, I think he was always like, this is, here's hard science, and this is is, um, biology and uh, zoology, and it just happens to be cryptozoology because... We don't know. We we don't have these creatures. But here's here's a creature we did find. You know, like, and it's weird. There was, um, I think it was a, a couple of days later. I read in the news. I think it was uh, the BBC, maybe, but it was everywhere. They had discovered twelve new species. This one's just for you, Kelly Connolly. Twelve new species of spiders in Australia, out in the outback, that nobody knew existed. And um, I thought, yeah, there's all sorts of animals and creatures on this planet that we don't know exist yet. So maybe Lauren's on the right track here that at least some of these things that he's talking about might still be things that we have to discover. So, yeah, I found it an interesting and refreshing, I might add, perspective, although I also like Nick's perspective, too. I like the more, you know, the out there, wilder, theoretical, thinking about the paranormal perspective that Nick brings, too. Yeah. So it's all it's all good. I'd like to see the two of them on a stage together sometime have a gentlemanly debate about Bigfoot and cryptids in general in terms of their differing perspectives on what they might be. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, And then I should mention here, this is kind of like a... That I, I hate, just like Paul hates uh, sitting at the table, I really dislike doing interviews at these events because um, I'm completely like, out of my element, and it feels like on a one-on-one face-to-face thing, it's really a different sort of vibe for me than I would normally do on a, on a Banal of America show. But God bless him, like, while I'm sitting there at the table, still still uh, feeling the effects of the night before, Lauren's like, so you're going to interview me or what? So, so I was like, oh... So thankfully, he sort of like nudged me in the direction to like get off my ass and tape some stuff. So uh, Paul asked earlier how I was going to even format this. I have no idea. So either you're going to hear from Lauren Coleman now or you're going to hear from him at the end of the show. But I taped uh, 15 minutes with Lauren. And, uh, well, I wanted to segue that into once I kind of figured out, okay, I'm going to do some interviews and stuff. I was like, who am I going to interview? Obviously, I interviewed Lauren and Stan. But there were so many interesting things going on in the vendor room that I was like, I need to get into this vendor room and get to the bottom of some of these things. Because it wasn't just like people selling DVDs and stuff like you would normally expect. These were quite the elaborate layouts of stuff. 
Uh, you said you didn't even go in the vendor room, though, right? I I did not. It frightened me a little bit because <laughs> they had a they had a giant gong and they had other people doing voice and I just like this seems this is this frightens me. I'm going to hang out here with Stan or Lauren. Actually, I spent most of my time when I was down there uh, watching the lectures hmm. because that's what I prefer to do. I like to hear um, people speak in the exchange of information. So I pretty much went to every lecture. The only thing I missed was the ghost writer panel, which is a shame. I would have liked to have gone, but it was uh, b- given the night before, I just couldn't drag myself out of bed at 8 o'clock. I didn't get to bed. Plus, I, in my own defense, folks, I know you don't care, but I'm, I'm working late nights. Like, you know, my general schedule for the last two months has been get up at 3 or 4 in the afternoon and go to bed at 8, 9, 10 in the morning because I'm shooting films and editing. So I crashed into the Paracon and getting up at 8 o'clock on Saturday was not, right. it just was never going to happen. Yeah. But otherwise, I went to everything else, and uh, so that's what I like doing. But yeah, you wandered off to the vendor room where strange events ensued. Yes. I did this. I Now, maybe if Kelly and, and Linda are still listening, they can shoot me the name of these folks. They have you hold on. No, they don't have you hold on. Anything. You just talk. You just talk and do like a do-do-dee-da thing you say. And, uh, clearly conscious from Toronto, Ontario. Yeah. Okay, so that's who it was. And 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 they take your voice and it does a chart thing and I'm doing no service to these folks. So you're going to have to listen to the I did a very good I think interview with them uh that we'll post in here somewhere where they explain the whole thing. It was interesting. I don't mean I don't know what to make of it. Um but I thought it was really interesting. And and they were very passionate about it. That's what I liked about the folks in the vendor room. They were like clearly obviously that's their gig and so they're going to be passionate about it, but at the same time it was like I really got the impression they were they were trying to scam me or anything like that. It was like they these seem like folks who really believe this stuff. So let me get in there and see. You know, these are people whose lives have been changed by stuff. So it's interesting. You got anything to say about that? What? You quiet now? No, I wasn't in the vendor room. I have no <laughs> okay. I have no idea what went what went down. I just know you came out and you told me about the Gong guy. Which you can tell that story or not if you want. That's I will. Here. I'll tell the story. And you, oh, yeah. you, it might have had a, um, 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 sort of an interesting monetary ending. And you did, yeah. You read whatever your voice analysis was. You said you came out and you went, ah, Kimball, this is, uh, this is who I am. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, and it's like, oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you, <clears throat> it's important to note. <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. That's sorry. why I hate live. You're not going to be able to take that out. Um, it's important to note, you were there with a press pass. Right. I think you were the only press pass person at the conference, actually. Well, there were uh, filming people were filming, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. There's a few filming people who, I, anyway, uh, yeah. Um, uh, but you were there as press. You were there to report on the conference. They were doing a documentary or something. Right. And uh, so, yeah, it was, you know, it was your job to go snoop this stuff out. And uh, and now you'll be reporting on it. Did you? Now, were those the only two? Or was there anyone else that you... No, those were the only two. It didn't really dawn on me till later that, that this was a good tack to take. So I didn't really... Uh, I should have filled more of my weekend exploring that. Um, you know, I have a few... We'll, we'll get there later in the, in the whole thing. But, uh, yeah, this, that, that was one of the regrets I have from the event, that I should have done more, because I really found that really interesting. Um, well, and, I don't know. You, you only have so much time. You did two in the vendor room. You did Lauren and Stan. You talked to Kelly, right? Yes. You did a little interview with her. Um, anybody else? Not that I can recall. The gong, the gong guy. Oh. 
Oh, and you did the investigation. Right. So you went on the ghost investigation. I mean, that's that's more, frankly, than most press people would do. Three interviews with hosts or speakers, two vendors, and a ghost investigation. Yeah, I th- and I think you're pretty, I think you earned your press pass. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Plus, we're doing this show, and I had Chip on to promote the event. So it's, I, I did all, all of my required sort of pressy, pressy stuff. But anyway, so the... I don't know what to say about the voice analysis. You'll have to listen to the interview, folks. Uh, but what I thought was great, and I haven't actually... I'm in, a, I'm in a bad way with my friend passing away. I didn't have time to sit down and listen to these interviews yet. So I'm going to do that late tonight and tomorrow when I put all this together and put it out. Um, and I hope it's on the interview. But what I thought was great was when I was getting my voice analyzed, first you say, like, do, da, di, that kind of thing, into this microphone. And then this chart comes up. And it's uh, all of a sudden, the lady uh, says to her partner who was there, this was clearly conscious from Toronto, Ontario. That was the group. She's like, Bill, get over here. You've got to see this chart. And I don't know. I, I, you know, I still, I even said that. I was like, are you putting me on? So I don't know if this was part of the show, quote unquote, or, or, or if I had an actually a profound sound voice chart. But she seemed to think that whatever, whatever came out of my gullet was uh, <laughs> remarkable in chart form. So I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, so it was cool. I wish I'd gotten the palm reading. That was another one that I wanted to do. So like I said... Uh, that's right. She was right out at the front uh, by the front entrance, right. wasn't she? She was the one I had. I thought, if I was going to do any of these, maybe I'll do a palm reading. But I'm always afraid that somebody will do a palm reading of me and then they'll just go... <gasps> yeah. go what, what did that mean? She went, nothing. <laughs> like, oh, tell me, lady, tell me. Um, very short lifeline. How short? You're already over. What? <laughs> Living on borrowed time? Oh, no. Back to the bowling alley, then. You know, might as well drink myself into an early grave. If I'm headed for an early grave, that's the way to go. Um, or death by Ooga Booga, as the old Boy Scout story went. So, um, yeah, I have yeah. no idea. It was cool though. I guess just to just to put a bow on that before, well, before I'll get to the gong guy later, but uh, to put a bow on it, just like, that's what I really liked about it. There was this interactive stuff. You know what I mean? That's cool to me. So kudos to the to the East Coast Paracon on that. And you know, don't don't uh don't don't shy away from that next year because it was awesome, and I'll, I'll, I want to partake in more of that stuff. And again, it was very eclectic and very sort of. It wasn't all just UFOs, UFOs, UFOs. Right. There, there were people doing different things about. Um, actually, there were no UFO vendors other than Stan. Right. Um, so yeah, that was it. Was cool. It had again a paranormal conference vibe to it. it wasn't a ghost conference. Wasn't a UFO conference. Wasn't a Bigfoot conference. It was a little bit of all of the above, hmm. and uh, that's what made it fun. Yeah. Uh, so then there was Stan, and uh, I had to stay for Stan. I had I, I watched the whole Stan presentation because, you know, as I said, I, he's kind of like the Bob Dylan of the paranormal. So when I get the chance to see him, I, I watch him. Uh, and it was good. It was good. And it made me, you know, for all the stuff about, you know, Stan, he's been around forever, and if you've seen him, you know, all that. It's like I, there was still, after watching his presentation, I still came out of it with new questions that I hadn't really thought of before. So... I don't know if that's me or Stan or just the quality of the presentation or what, but I interviewed him later in the afternoon, and I, I had a couple of questions where it was like they came directly from watching the presentation. So for anyone who's like, ah, Stan, you've seen him a million times, I, I don't know. I, I came out of it with some new ideas. So, 
Yeah. He tries. He makes a conscious effort to try and um, mix things up. And he was actually, I was talking to him beforehand, and he was, um, he, I hadn't seen him in a couple of years, and he was quite enthusiastic about saying, oh, you know, this is a new presentation, Paul. I haven't done this one yet. And, uh, you know, I'm talking about a, a number of crashes. And I went, oh, okay, well, that's <clears throat> that's that's good, Stan. Because, frankly, two hours on Roswell, <laughs> <laughs> and it wound up being about an hour and 15 minutes on Roswell and 40 to 45 minutes on the other four crashes that he sort of crammed in. And afterwards, he was he was a little disappointed, actually. He was quite he was very self-critical, which um, I, people probably don't associate with Stan. But he's like, uh, he came up to me and said, yeah, that didn't go as well as I thought. Oh, I should have done less on Roswell. I should have, you know, because he, he, he had plenty of time. He said, yeah, two hours. I didn't know what to do with myself. And then it was over. He said, I should have done more on Kecksburg and Shag Harbor. And uh, and I went, well, you know, Stan, you can refine the presentations. First time you've done it. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, less of, what do you think I should take out? And I just said, oh, I don't know. I think you could profitably lose the 20 minutes on Majestic 12. And it's the closest he and I have ever come to agreeing on Majestic 12. <laughs> he said, yeah, I can probably shorten that down to three or four minutes. And, you know, just touch on it and move on. I went, yeah, that's probably, that'd be good, Stan. Yeah. That'd be a good thing. So I think even he realized that showing, like he showed the Phil Class check and, he, you know, here's the list of all the people in MJ-12 and his Donald Menzel stuff. And I think he, you know, you can tell how an audience is reacting. And um, I told him afterwards, I said, they were kind of dead. Because it's, it's, unless you're really into the minutia of the Roswell story. Yeah, it's very arcane, some of the details yeah, of that. When they, when they sort of got more interested was when he was, you know, talking about Kecksburg or, um, you know, just giving the general overview of cases and uh, even some of the nuclear propulsion stuff that he was talking about, you know, the idea of traveling to the stars. So, I, you know, I think Stan knows that, and I think um, he'll, hopefully, he'll try and sort of change his lectures up a little bit because mm. um, he's moving that way. But, I mean, we would all take away something like that. I mean, I have a takeaway from my own lecture about here's what I probably shouldn't have talked about as much, and here's what I should have talked about more. And you sort of you learn by doing. Right. So you see how an audience reacts to certain things that you do. It's like, oh, audience is starting to, okay, not getting the laughs or not, they don't seem as connected. Right. Skip, 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 move straight to this thing, which, okay, that works. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of like, that's the difference between a studio album and a live recording or a live gig, rather. If you're out there on stage and the crowd's not digging the slow songs, time to, you know, time to throw in a few rockers or something to get the, the energy back up. So, you know, I've, Every speaker does that, and um, there, I think in every talk that I saw, there were parts where you could tell the audience was like, Ugh, you know, maybe. And uh, But for most of the time, they, the speakers course-corrected. And uh, like Lawrence, Lauren was sort of, at one point he was dragging a little bit about really getting into the details of some of the zoological kind of scientific stuff. It's like, maybe that would have been better at two minutes, Lauren. And then he started talking about Bigfoot penises, and that perked everybody. Yeah. You know, sort of, whoa, 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 whoa. He's, he's throwing up pictures of Bigfoots with, with penises. Okay. And I think people there were, Yeah, there up. was, yeah. <laughs> I remember, yeah. I, remember, I like, can't forget that, yeah. And he was like, yeah, we, you know, we have to talk about this, folks. These are real animals, and we have to talk about how they would mate. And I went, yes, bring it on. The uh, the twelve year old boy in me was going more. I want more. Tell me more. So um, so yeah, that that was Stan's lecture. It was fun. He what did the five crashes? Alleged crashes were Roswell, Shag Harbor, Kecksburg, um, Aztec, ugh. and what was the fifth? Oh, the Plains of San Augustine, yeah. which is sort of Roswell, but 
the other Stan Roswell crash. So yeah. So that was good. Yeah. And like I said, and, and the cool part because yeah, I kind of I was privy to some of that conversation with Stan. Uh, you know, his sort of like post. Uh, presentation thoughts and and just to, uh, for as a super fan, which I still am and always will be of Stan, to see him sort of self critique like that was awesome for me. You know, because it's like it, it again, it's like seeing it's like getting off stage with Bob Dylan and being like, oh well, should have done it. You know, it's like this is wild. Like <laughs> this is pretty cool. I'm watching him kind of work out the, the 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 set list here. This is pretty neat. So. Uh, you know, once in a lifetime sort of opportunity for me that I really enjoyed. Now, you talked about Barb Thompson and Laura Glenn Norris. They're the co-authors of Haunted Girl, Esther Cox, and The Great Amherst Mystery. You probably don't need to really touch too much about that, except, again, to put over that you appreciated that they were honest about the whole thing, which is great. Well, they were, yeah, they were skept- They were debunker- debunkering um, it, and that didn't become apparent until the end. They kind of told the story fairly straight, and it's the story of a a young girl, I think it was in the late 1870s, and um, who claimed to be, uh, for about a year, sort of haunted by a poltergeist up in Amherst, which is a town on the New Brunswick border, just across the border from Olac, actually. And I had no idea that anything interesting had ever happened in Amherst, but now I know. And it's sort of a little dig at Amherst there. It's a long story. It's a personal thing to me. And... <laughs> It's um, you know it's like okay this a lot of this is the Old Testament Joe begat Frank and Frank begat Bob and what wait no that wouldn't work sorry that's, <laughs> what, what Old Testament am I in here uh, Leviticus um, you know whatever it was uh, the family history of who all these people were that was actually I found very very dull but once they got out of that it was like trench warfare once the tanks started rolling and you know in the plains or whatever. Then it's sort of got okay. Now this story's more interesting because there's a love triangle. Apparently she was a jil- she was jilted by some guy, and that's when she sort of went maybe crazy and weird things were happening. And then there's this other guy who came in whose name I can't read the book, folks. Yeah. Who's who came in and he was sort of like a Svengali figure slash huckster slash you know um, I don't know five other things, a traveling snake oil salesman who wrote the book on it and they just okay this is much more interesting and it was a tag team too it was actually very cute because they were two um i won't say older ladies that that's bad but they 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 were sort of like my aunts yeah and they were one would speak for 20 minutes one would speak for 20 minutes while the other one would move the slides and so it, it was it had a weird vibe because in a good way, they um, it wasn't just Stan doing his thing or me doing my thing. It was these two people doing their things, tag teaming. So you get different. It would be like it was like watching Daniel Bryan wrestle with Kane as a tag team, totally ah, different styles yeah, of like wrestling. That. And so you'd get Daniel Bryan flying all around, then Kane would come in and he'd just start smashing people. And these two ladies were like that. They each had different styles of presenting the information, hmm. different ways of speaking. And so it, it kind of yeah, it was a nice little way to end. And then they finished and said, and of course. We agree with the psychologist who looked at this in the 1920s or whatever, who said um, th- that she was uh, this. All of this was made up. That yeah. the, the psychologically a disturbed girl and blah blah blah. And since then, nobody's been able to counter that conclusion. It's like, oh, okay. Well, I did not see that coming. I thought you were we were going to go full Satan here, but um, no. Okay, nice way, weird way, I might add, to end the afternoon because you know. Uh, you'd had Stan talking about space aliens and Lauren talking about Bigfoot, and then all of a sudden, and eh, it wasn't really a poltergeist. It was uh, it was mundane explanations with psychological factors, probably. Oh, all right then. What are we doing tonight? Ghost hunting. Sweet. 
So it was it was sort of a roller coaster kind of thing, which was which was fun. Yeah. Um. So I I missed that. I think that was when I was getting my my voice analyzed. It was, and that's yeah. why I just gave a more fulsome review than yeah. I would have otherwise, because I know you weren't there. Yeah. So. No, you did awesome. Thank you. Um. So then then to uh, well, as Paul noted, and, and I was exhausted, and Paul was even more exhausted because he's on this different sort of uh, time time schedule here. So then, then it was nap time, so we crashed for a while. Uh, and to his credit, Paul was really, really tired, folks. Uh, and I was pretty tired, but I knew at that point I kind of had to push through and get in as much as I could. And I'd never done a ghost investigation before. and I I really enjoyed, like, the people. Everyone was so nice and everything, you know, the the, the cynical side of me that was like, ah, ghost hunt, forget that. Uh, was completely obliterated, where I was like, I love everyone here. I want to go on a ghost hunt with them. This is awesome. So, to his credit, since even though Paul was really exhausted, he he joined me on the uh, on the ghost investigation. Before I get to that, though, I just want to mention, said I had a couple regrets. The only other really big regret I have is I just wish I'd, you know, been more uh, judicious with my time, maybe napped earlier or something, because I would have liked to have seen Chip Coffee because everybody was raving about him afterwards. Uh he he had his presentation at the Astor Theater, which Paul and I later explored as part of the ghost hunt. And we got there just as he was finishing up, and people were just raving about him. And he was, like, holding court in the lobby of the Astor Theater. And, and uh, it was, like, mostly ladies, uh, just in general, as part of this this thing. I said the demographics seemed that way. And they, they just loved him. That was just what I noticed. It was just this tittering, this, this giggling, this sort of, like, he just had them all in the palm of his hand. He was so He was so hilarious, so... Uh, I wish I'd seen him, um, you know, in, in perform, I guess you could say, or present, but I did not. So maybe next year, but I got to put him over because everyone seemed to love him. So, yeah. Then we got on the uh, ghost hunt, and Paul, you've done ghost hunt before. So, what was your take on on the ghost hunt in general? I've never done one, so I'll kind of give you my thoughts later about about what it was like. But but based on your experience, well, it was. Um you know, having hosted a season of a television series where that's what we did, we went out and investigated right. ghost stories. Um, it was it was interesting because there's a standard, there's a fairly standard, I sort of call it pseudo scientific way of looking at this, where you bring in all the gear. I used let me rephrase. I used to call it pseudo scientific before I did my ghost investigating series, where perhaps my opinions changed a bit, and folks can go back and listen. I think I did a show with you where I talked about my book. Yeah. And if you can find that show, I think I ramble on for two and a half hours about my various experiences and stuff. So um, that that would be a good primer if you want to know what I what I think about all this. But, you know, they had the EMF meters and they had the, which was cool. I had never seen this, some sort of laser grid thing. That, that was a if a shadow walked in front of the laser grid thing or something moved, you you would get a shadow. And uh, so it kind of looked like something out of an ABBA concert, um, which was fun. And um, so, you know, they have all this, this sort of stuff. And there was a group of, what, maybe 12 people? Yeah, there was 12 of us, yeah. Yeah, plus uh, Kelly, who was leading it, Kelly um, Connelly. And uh, the uh, guys from the – no, I'm sorry. I, I know that. I was oh. trying to remember the – the guy whose name escapes me um, from the Loyalist Paranormal Group up in St. John. He was there, too. I think there were two of them. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was, a, it was a good group. And it's interesting because they turned the lights off. 
Well, the first thing to note is the Astor Theater is a very old theater. It's a historic site. It's a lovely, lovely theater. And um, it was really hot because it was a summer night. It was, there's no air conditioning. I think there were only two or three ceiling fans in this big theater. And the chipped coffee thing had been pretty much packed. So we were going in just after all these people had been in there, which creates you know heat and everything. Mm. So I, I just found it really, really hot. And um, I actually had a sweater and a jacket on that I had to take off. I found it so hot. And, uh, yeah, you know, it was. they went through. They had a guy who helps run the theater, came down. He explained a bit of the history about the theater. He told a bit about the ghost that uh, allegedly is up on the balcony of the theater and a few other stories. And so that's good. Then Kelly sort of went through the... Um, the equipment explained to the people here's how here's what we do with an EMF meter and here's how this works and here's how we generally run an investigation which was good because these were not ghost investigators the people they were just you know they had come to to experience it and so it's like okay here's how these folks do it here's the stories and action you know which is kind of how we ran ghost cases mm. you know it's like here's the story and oh here's how this crazy equipment works all right holly holly stevens and i my old co-host let's go in and you know we we were always we never considered ourselves professional ghost investigators we were just two crazy kids well she was a kid i was older two crazy people going in to see if something would happen to us in these allegedly haunted places yeah so that's how i approached it and it kind of ran itself like a ghost cases episode where the locals would give us the info and then off we went. And so, you know, I just kind of went off on my own and you and I occasionally hooked up. Well, let me rephrase. Yeah. You and I occasionally, yeah, you and I occasionally crossed paths and, and left the group and we went down into the basement and other things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I had a weird, the whole weekend for me had a weird paranormal vibe, which I talked about on uh, Greg's show, Radio Mysterioso, hmm. um, the Sunday after I got back, actually. It was like, I just got back, and now I'm going to talk about all of this. So folks can go listen to that there. I won't, because it you know, take up the rest of the show. Um, but yeah, I had, a, I had a weird experience, which mirrored one of my ghost cases, uh, really weird ghost cases experiences. Um, the same sort of thing happened in the, uh, the Astor Theater to me, which, um, along with a strange synchronicity, because I'd been having a a run of synchronicities that related to my ghost cases co-host Holly Stevens and Les Miz, if that makes any sense. And it mm. will if you go listen to Greg's show. Um, so I'm, I'm putting both you and Greg over here. That's fine. And, I got I, no Because I, I, no I want to get to your experiences because I haven't heard them yet. And, uh, and yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was great fun. Mm. I left a bit early because I was really starting to fade at uh, 1230, and I had to get up early to do my talk the next day. Yeah. So I wanted to be, I mean, that's what they had me there to do. I wanted to make sure I at least was awake to do it. Yeah. Uh, you stuck around to do the balcony. I didn't get up in the balcony. But, yeah, they were really great. Kelly was great. Um, she was fantastic, sort of very friendly, very, uh, you know, helpful, and, and, and a good storyteller, too. Mm. And it was a really... Um, cool site. I kind of wish we'd done it for ghost cases because it, it would have been um, visually the theater itself is just a wonderful uh, place. So yeah, I, I had great fun. I'm glad I went. Mm. It was the first time I'd been on a ghost investigation since you know my last. Uh, it was like John Lennon's Five Years in the Wilderness. I hadn't done, although it's ended better for me than it did for <laughs> Lennon. But you know, I, I spent five years baking bread or whatever. I hadn't done any ghosty stuff. And to get back in action, as it were, I remembered the most important thing out of the ghost cases experience for me was it was fun. Like it was, and it, it was always fun to go out with Holly and to try and experience stuff. 
So it was kind of fun to go out with you and Kelly and these 12 other or 13 other people and, and do the same thing. So, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Mike McNulty was one of the dudes, and Evan. I don't have his last name. That, those were the two guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. I really liked it a lot because, uh, I mean, we've done ghost sort of shows before. Uh, we've even sort of ripped on ghost hunting on the show. Not you and me, but just being all of America. And But to me, it was really... So, but it was like, like I said before, my cynicism was completely checked at the door on this, and I was really, it was a good chance to sort of learn about all this stuff, like how the equipment works and everything. Evan Rafuse was uh, Evan's last name, Evan Rafuse, which is, uh, which is Linda's son. So, I thought that was really interesting to learn about how this stuff works, and uh, I didn't want the EVP thing at first because. I don't know. I was just kind of like I don't I don't want to know if I'm near a ghost, but eventually someone gave it to me. And it really I could see how people would really get into this because sometimes it had like five lights. It was goes, you know, as the as allegedly the ghost gets closer, it goes to five. And there were times when I was like by myself in the basement and it would like just spring up to three and kind of like hang around a little bit and then pop back down to one. And it was like, "Oh, Jesus. I, you know, am I near a ghost right now? Am I, you know, so I could see how it would be really uh, addictive. I'd want to keep doing it more and more. So I thought that was cool. I was very intrigued by the lights out aspect of it. I asked uh, Kelly about this on the show. Um, it seems to me like a recipe for disaster, just because I kept thinking I was going to fall off the off the stage. But I guess you just have to be more responsible in, in that situation. But it was like, oh Jesus! It was. It added an element to it that was really disorienting, which I kind of liked. But I have no idea, really. You know. I guess it's, it all depends on, on the ghost hunting group, in a way. Yeah, well, I think it makes you, I think it helps you focus for one thing. Yeah. Because you have to be focused, otherwise you're going to walk off the stage or run into a you know a metal bar or something. Who knows? And um, the other thing too, it's almost like um, where you do the sensory deprivation tank or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You remove a lot of the outside stimuli like that uh, that might distract you, and it you know it allows you to. I, I enjoyed it. We Holly and I did it a few times, and frankly, whenever we did it, something strange usually seemed mm. to happen. So, you know, I think it's a good way to kind of just focus yourself and go, right? Let's just let's just breathe, and there's nothing here. There's no, I don't, I can't see Tim walking by or yeah. making faces at me or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I was all for it. Although I did kind of wonder, like, are we going to hear, boom, you know, somebody fall off the stage or right? But, yeah, yeah. but everybody, I think, sort of. Kelly was very responsible in, hmm. in telling folks to be uh, careful and all that sort of stuff. And she was also, she she played the debunker a little bit, too. She said, look, with the EMF meter, here's, if you get a reading, it can be a lot of things. And most of them are prosaic. So it could you could be near a power outlet, or you could be near wires, or who knows. Right. And uh, so she didn't just go, here's an EMF meter, that's a ghost machine. Every time it pops, you're near a ghost. Hmm. which I have seen ghost, so-called ghost investigators do. It's like, yeah, this is a guaranteed ghost thing. Boom. And every time you see, you hear a, a voice recording on your little voice recorder, boom, that's a ghost. And uh, those are the kind of people that give ghost investigation a really bad name. So Kelly was very careful to say, look, most of the time this is probably what it is. But you never know. Some of the time it might be this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she she says here, darkness heightens your senses, which uh, I agree with. It definitely was like that, but it was for me because I'm not used to it. I was like, what? Is, I'm confused. But uh, I, I I thought it was just interesting because I never even considered it. I guess 
So when they were like, yeah, then it's lights out. We turn all the lights out. I'm like, what? Are you, what? So that was kind of neat and interesting, worth pointing out. And then uh, Paul and I, uh, there's all kinds of pictures on my Facebook. i got to figure out how to get this for people uh, who don't have Facebook to, to check it out on the Banal of America site. I'll put the pictures up. Uh, I'll try and tie all this in on the website. But um, So Paul and I were, like, behind the stage, downstairs, is this, like, uh, is the dressing room. And Paul and I explored that for a while, looked around and stuff, and uh, that was interesting. And the the funny sort of part of the whole experience for me, which Paul and I have talked about uh, since it all went down, was so Paul goes upstairs, then I go back down with this with this guy who was on the ghost hunt, who I'd never met before, and he was kind of like, um, he reminded me a little bit of like Bob Backlund for the wrestling fans. He had this sort of just like happy-go-lucky lovable sort of dude, not not bad guy old man Bob Backlund, but like classic WWF champion Bob Backlund from like the 80s. Sort of just this like, just down home sort of good 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 guy vibe. So he's like down in the basement uh, in the dressing room part with me and, and he just there was this door that Paul and I apparently just didn't even notice. Because uh, I don't know about you Paul, but I never even like gave it a second thought and I had spent like 20 minutes down there I noticed it, but I didn't give it a second thought either. I thought it just led into a storage closet. It was because the, the basement of the theater is the dressing area. There's a, a long row of mirrored, you know, where the the actors would sit and get made up and everything like that. Yeah. And um, it's quite narrow. And then there's a, a door right next to that, and I just thought it led to a storage closet. I didn't even think to open the door, and uh, it led into a wonderful, wonderful sort of ghost hunting, you know, the kind of quintessential place where you like to go if you're looking for ghosts. Right, right. And what I loved about this guy was like he just like took one like 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 I said, Paul and I just kinda didn't give it a second thought, but he just like took one look at this door and it was kinda like jammed shut in a way. It wasn't didn't really open smoothly. And he just like turns the door knob just starts yanking on it. Just like like rips this door open and was like, Jesus, who is this guy? <laughs> so <laughs> So then we're under the under the stage, and uh, there's all kinds of pictures of that. And I'm in complete. You have to hunch over. There's pipes and everything there, and uh, I'll, I'll play it here for the folks. But it was just so, like again, it just had this adorable quality to it, where I was trying to do like this uh, on-site under the under the stage thing, and I'm like, I'm under the stage. And I'm like, what's your name, dude? And he's just like Barry. So after that, me and Barry became like best buddies. Uh, through the whole trip. And Barry went through every door he could possibly find underneath this stage. He just he was like insatiable with with exploring under there. It was really remarkable. And I'm like, this guy's awesome. Uh I have no I have no fear cuz Barry's leading the way through this horrifyingly creepy under under the stage thing. So, uh yeah, I I I miss old Barry. But then <laughs> then then Barry leaves and I found another door and because of this this <laughs> because of his insatiable quest to go through every door, I was like, I gotta find Barry. So, of course, it's all pitch black still, folks. So I go upstairs, and I go up onto the stage, and I'm like, Barry! Barry! And there's no answer. And for, like, a split second, maybe ten seconds, I really genuinely thought that maybe there was no Barry. <laughs> and, and I was like, Barry, where are you? Is it, Where's Barry? Like, <laughs> like, legitimately, like, legitimately frightened that I was just hanging out with a ghost under there. Then all of a sudden I hear, hey, what's going on? I'm over here. And I'm just like, oh, thank God, Barry. So he was, uh, he was a good guy. Apparently he, then he got us access to the balcony where the ghost uh, allegedly lives. 
And then they were like, all right, well, you guys can go up there. Barry, you definitely can go because you're the one that asked. And he was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to be the one anything. I don't want to be the one anything. He, he, he's the one. And, like, points over to me. So it's like, I'll be the one, Barry. It's all good. <laughs> so he was just this just this lovable dude. This an incredibly lovable dude. So, yeah. And then I went up to the balcony and hung out up there where the ghost lives. Um. I mean, I, I tried to take EVPs of this. Well, you know, I don't know what you say when you try to take an EVP. I, I ran the recorder, and I've listened to it, but I don't really hear anything, so I don't know. I didn't get any EVPs, I guess. So you've, so you've listened to um, your recordings, then? Yes, of the EVP parts, yeah, where I tried to get was, the EVPs. Oh, I was going to ask you, because I, I didn't know whether you listened. I, okay. Kelly and um, uh, they had at least one or two other audio recorders there. I don't know if she's been through the uh, what they had um, either. I haven't seen a post or anything. So I was curious. There, One of my questions has been answered. What Did anybody hear anything or pick anything up that might be anomalous? And you're saying you did not. From what I can gather, I think I still have maybe like another 15 minutes of stuff to listen to, but I didn't do it the right way. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm not a ghost hunter. So I would just turn it on and turn it off at, at, at my leisure. You know what I mean? I didn't just have like a recorder going the whole time because I – because I do everything in this ludic way. I, my my voice recorder only had a certain amount of time on it, so I wanted to make sure I could interview people and stuff the next day. But I did record some stuff, but I didn't hear anything. And I, I don't know. I hate those people that are like challenge the ghosts, but then at the same time, like I went and sat in the chair that the lady allegedly sits in all the time because I thought maybe that would at least sort of uh, engender some kind of reaction. But from what I can gather, nothing nothing came up on my stuff. The ghosts work in mysterious ways, Tim. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I had a weird experience. That's all I can say. Did they, Did you have a weird experience personally, leaving aside your electronic equipment? Did you feel anything strange, or was it anything at all? Or was it just a, a fun night out at the Astor Theater for you? It was really just a fun night out at the Astor Theater. The only time I really felt anything, like, strange... And it's just a feeling. It's not even. I wouldn't even chalk it up to anything like paranormal, even remotely. But I think it was probably more my mind playing like tricks with me. But just the sort of when Barry left and you were gone, and I was under the stage by myself, and I just sort of got. I, I don't like. I said I think it's more my mind playing tricks on me. But I was kind of like thinking to myself, like, you know, maybe I'm not really alone down here. Maybe there is something, you know. I'm 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 by myself here uh, under this thing. So I mean I've really I've really gone on, off the off the reservation here by myself. So maybe there is something under here, but it wasn't anything where I was like, oh god, did I hear that or anything like that? No. Except for when you thought Barry might have been a ghost. Yeah, except for when I thought Barry was a ghost. Yeah, that was but the you did... only. Although I did see now I well I did see Kelly like. There's a picture on my Facebook that's Kelly has the EVP thing on her leg. I wish I had brought this up to her, uh, and she'll probably write because she's listening. And I mean, Wait, this... do you mean do you mean the EMF reader? Yeah, it was I call it EVP. Yeah. Yeah, EVP is the voice right, thing. Right, yeah. EMF is the um, the electromagnetic. Exactly. It's meter. like it's like NWO to me. I'm I, I got them all mixed up. So, so she had the electronic voice uh, electronic meter thing on her on her leg and. Uh, like I said, I know she's listening. I wish I had brought this up because uh, cause they're taking pictures of – because she got the thing to get to five. 
And and so, I mean, if if there was a ghost and if it was all really if, – if it all works that way, then clearly I saw something happening. K2 meter, it's called. Right. And what I thought was interesting – this is the part that I wish I had asked Kelly more about. But it's like everybody – it seems like everybody talks to talks to these ghosts, first of all, you know. Like they talk to them it's, it, it, and they all talk to them in a different way. And I think because she's like a mom – she like talked to the ghost in a way that was like reassuring, but all like, but also like she was talking to like a little kid or or a pet or something. And I, again, I mean that in a, in a in a positive way. I'm not like, hey, what you know. It was like cause she was like she kind of coaxed it into into doing more, which I thought was interesting. I don't know, like I said, I don't go on ghost hunts, so I don't know how people do it. All I seem to ever see is like people going, "Are you here? Are you are you with us?" And it's like, but she was kind of like, she, you know, she was kind of like, hey, you know, we're here. Are you, do you want to make yourself known? And then we'd kind of go a little bit. And then she'd be like, that's good. That's good. Can you get it, you know, can you turn it up more? Can you get it to the five? Can you get it to the five? And like just coaxed this into, into happening, which I thought was really interesting. No, I didn't, I didn't know. I must have been down. You, in the you'd already left after that. That was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I've never, I have to say, I've never, been a big fan of the talking to the ghost thing. Hmm. Now, I did it because I was doing a television show, so you didn't have much choice. Right. But when I did it, it was always tongue-in-cheek. And frankly, for me, it was usually I was making fun of the ghost or, you know, I was asking a ghost. More than once, we used to call the segment ghost dating. You know, <laughs> Especially if it was an allegedly female ghost, I would try and ask the ghost out on a date or, you know, whatever. I never took it seriously. Because I always figured, if there really are some form of ghosts or whatever here, I'm pretty sure that, you know, if I, I have to put myself in their shoes. Right. I'm not reacting well to these people going, hey, are you there? Hey, say something. Hey, can you make yourself yeah. known? I mean, like, perhaps, hey, I'm supposedly from the late 19th century. Perhaps you should ask me about uh, the 1896 election. Did, did, did you vote conservative or did you vote liberal? You know, what did you think of Wilfrid Laurier? Right. Things that might make sense to me as opposed to, hey, are you here? So, um, yeah, but they, she, she was uh, better than most that I've sort of known. Uh, I thought of all the ones that I've ever heard at Kelly's was the, the least egregious. And I know that everyone does it, so it's, it's not a right, right. Of Kelly. It's, a, it's just me and the way it works. She, she, I'm much different. I, you know, I, I, I'll put a clip up on my Facebook page later tonight. I, I have several of me taunting ghosts. Mm. And the weird thing is... Some of the times when I would do it, um, strange things would happen. And it's almost like, at one point, Holly, I remember saying to me, saying, oh, you really pissed them off now. <laughs> I This can't be a good thing. Maybe this is a, Maybe I should stop doing this. This might be a bad idea. So I kind of developed my own thing, which is just to, uh, to sit there or to stand there or wherever you are and, and be quiet. Mm. And see if something will enter. You know, don't challenge the ghost or don't ask the ghost to. You know, let the if there is a ghost or if there is another uh, advanced non-human intelligence or whatever there, just let it do its thing. If it wants to interact with you, it will. And if it doesn't, then it's not going to. Yeah. Um, so I have a bit of a different perspective on that. But um, to those that would do the chatty thing with the ghost, then uh, it, it was weird though because there were like twelve or thirteen people, and at one point this was actually the reason I left and went downstairs. Almost all of them were doing the talk to the ghost thing. Right. I didn't right. mind when it was just one 
or even two, but you were getting like 10 or 11 people going, hey, are you here? Hey, say something. Hey, over here. Hey, hey. And the poor ghost is probably like, what? I got to get out of here. Yeah. Well, exactly. Or at the very least, they were all saying basically the same thing. So it was like an echo chamber. Mm. And I just went, ah, the cacophony. I I can't take it. I got to go someplace where it's quiet. And, you know, maybe the ghost, if there is a ghost, went, it was like the same thing. It's like, oh my God, two or three I can handle, but what are all these people doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the reason I didn't go to heaven. I don't like people. I just, you know, I wanted to be alone. <laughs> ah. Well, perhaps you shouldn't have haunted a theater then, mm. but um, unless it was a theater where my old band was was playing, and then you would have been alone. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Nice. I, I think it went really well. Kelly, I oh, give it was her an awesome. A+. Yeah. I give her an A plus. Absolutely, a yeah. Like I said, I mean, tour guide. I was, I was, I was, she says here, uh, personally, I treat spirit with respect the same as I would someone standing in front of me. And I totally agree. I just think that her style was really unique. And I think it was advantageous because uh, she, she I agree. you know, she coaxed this. It seemed like she really coaxed this thing to really, to really light up the meter. I mean, just, that's what it looked like to me. So it was like, this is remarkable. Like what, what is, you know, so interesting stuff uh, that I really enjoyed on the trip there. Well, it is something, you know, it's like when Holly and I would do it, um, Holly would was much more like Kelly. She would be very respectful and um, very comforting and everything like that. And I was not. I was the snarky, disrespectful, whatever. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I always thought she's probably a better person. <laughs> she, indeed, she is a better person. She's, if there really is something here, then I'm not being very nice to it. And uh, she was being much nicer. So, you know, when I heard Kelly, it was kind of like, you know, if I could close my eyes, it was like working with Holly again in the sense that that's how Holly used to do it. And I think that's probably the better way to do it if you're going to do it. It's just I, I could never take the talking to ghost things seriously, so I would always be sort of sarcastic and snarky, at least as I started out. I don't, by the way, I don't do that anymore. Now I just stay quiet because, you know, I had enough experiences where I decided perhaps taunting the ghosts is a bad idea. Um, so I'm just going to I'm just going to be quiet. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I can't do the, the sensitive, touchy feely stuff. It's just not in me. So I choose to be quiet. But uh, yeah. So kudos to Kelly. She was if you if you are going to talk to them, she was very she was she was good. Yeah. yeah like I said, it was a unique technique that I, I think probably yielded some good results. Um, so that was interesting. It would be interesting to see when she listens to her mm. um, audio stuff, if she posts it, you know, does did she find anything or pick up anything? Yeah, she says she's working her way uh, through it. There you go. Um, so that was the end of the night. I think we wrapped up like at 1 in the morning, and then uh, I went back to the hotel and hung out on the patio waiting for Paul by the window, but uh, all I ended up with was some dude who lived there for three months. So, so I don't even know. <coughs> Um, so then the next day, the final day, Sunday, it was just Paul and uh, the angel lady. I enjoyed, uh, you know, it's it's going to sound disingenuous because you're the guest and everything, but I really enjoyed your presentation. It was uh, it was kind of a cool addendum because I had read the book and had you on the show to talk about all this. So, you know, it was cool to sort of get like a, a refresher and at the same time, you know, revisit some of your insights into, uh, you know, the paranormal in general. So I give it I give it high marks. Oh, thank you. I'd, I'd never done a lecture on my book before. Um, and the things that I learned, you know, I criticized Stan a bit for going on too much about Roswell or MJ-12. I went on a bit too much about my paranormal as an art um, interaction uh, theory. 
I could have done that in five minutes and then told more cool stories. Because the cool stories are, you know, it's, you want to entertain people, too, and that's what they're there for. Right. And I have plenty of cool stories, so it's like, here you go, folks. Uh, some of which involved me and some of which I did some UFO stories, too, that obviously I, I was not involved in. They're just historical cases, high strangeness cases um, that folks hadn't heard of. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, I, I had a really I had a really good time. And it was what was really fun. <clears throat> I, I won't tell you, you know, I won't repeat all my paranormal experiences on the weekend because, uh, again, it's on Greg's show. Right. Um, I stand... This was actually really cool. Uh, Linda was doing the slide projector stuff or the computer, the PowerPoint thing for a couple people, and Stan offered to do it for mine. And I used to do his one or, once or twice when he would speak, and I'd be there with him. I'd run his um, slide projector back then for him. So I he sat down. I kind of joked. I said, ah, the the pupil has become the master or whatever, you know, the Star Wars thing, hmm. because here's Stan Friedman turning my slides. And then he <laughs> yeah. gave me his little green laser pointer. And I said, ah, this is like Obi-Wan giving Luke his lightsaber. And uh, so I had the, I had Stan's laser pointer, and I had Stan, who I referred to as my slide monkey, hmm. more than once, you know, turning. And he did a pretty good job, although at one point he went, he kept going, he went too past where he was supposed to be. <laughs> slide monkey backwards and he went forwards again went no the other backwards slide monkey and he's like whoa, whoa. and you know it's a humorous moment he took it he was laughing yeah i could see him sitting down there every time i'd call him slide monkey he chuckled yeah he it, was it was fun he, i he, you know it was not meant to be offensive uh anyone it was weird because stan and i had not seen each other probably i think maybe for five years we hadn't spoken to each other in two or three we email occasionally but um, just hadn't come up and so I was supposed to see him last summer at our family reunion. I hadn't gone in uh, several years. And he had a heart attack. He had his heart attack the night before the family reunion. So uh, a few of us joked, uh, including his daughter, my cousin and I, you know, great. Paul comes to a family reunion for the first time in years. Dad has a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. Coincidence? You know, sort of. Um, but the weird thing is the, uh, Stan emailed me a week before the Paracon. And he was going to be on the Art, new Art Bell show, Midnight in the Desert. And for some strange reason that I still don't understand, Bell wanted him to talk about faked moon landing photos or whatever with this guy, Jay Wiedner, I think. His yeah, name it was is. a moon hoax debate. Right, a moon hoax debate. And Stan sent me an email. He said, what do you know about the moon hoax stuff and the photos? You're the only filmmaker guy I know. Um, I need your help here because I don't know anything about this other than I'm sure we landed on the moon, but uh, like I have no idea. I've never really looked into this. I don't know why Art Bell wants me to talk about this. I thought, huh, yeah, that's weird. So I, I called him back, and we had a nice chat, and I did a little research for him. And I said, look, here's three articles that completely debunked the crazy faked moon photo stuff. Uh, this is all you need to read. And he said, yes, absolutely. I agree, agree completely. Thank you very much, Paul. So, okay, strange. So there's Stan. He's sitting there doing my <clears throat> slide pres or PowerPoint presentation. And at the end, I was running late, and I said, I really don't have time for questions, but I feel obliged. I'll take like two or three because I know the next lady, the angel lady, um, you know, we got to get me off the stage and her up. But I didn't want to be rude. So I said, uh, two or three questions uh, real quick. And the first question, this lady raises her hand. There's like three or four people raising their hands. And I picked the, the, this one lady, could have picked these other ones. And what does she ask me? She asked me, what is your opinion on moonwalking? 
And I, I was just like, what? Yeah. And I had had a slide when I was trying to do my paranormal is the art thing, um, talking about co-creation. I had had a slide that wouldn't play on my PowerPoint presentation, a YouTube video that um, their machine was not configured to play, which was a mashup of my, a Michael Jackson song and a Beatles song. And so I was thinking Michael Jackson because nobody else, I'd sort of mentioned I can't play this for you, unfortunately, but it's Michael Jackson and the Beatles. And I was thinking, is she asking me about Michael Jackson? What do I think about moonwalking? And I thought, oh, it's, you know, it was really fun in the 80s. And she went, no, no, the, the moon landings, the, you know, the, where the photos faked. And I went, whoa. And even Stan, his head kind of, because I had been talking a bit about right, synchronicity right. during the lecture, too. I talked about the whole Walter Bosley, the Nye, everything I did in L.A. and that's in the book. And even Stan's head kind of turned, and we both had a moment where we went, we hadn't talked to each other in years. The reason we talked to each other for the first time in years was because he asked me about moon hoaxes, which is nothing either of us would ever talk to anyone about, much less <laughs> each, each other. other. And then the first question I get, which is unrelated to anything I've been talking about, because I never mentioned it once, is this lady who asked me about faked moon photos. It's like, whoa. And so my answer was, yeah, they're not faked, ma'am. And by the way, this is a this is a really big synchronicity or coincidence, however you want to look at it. And then I sort of briefly explained it, and people were like, wow. And even Stan, you know, Stan was like, "Yeah, that's that's weird." It's so I talked weird, to him yeah. afterwards, and and he said, "Yeah, that that was weird." <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, "Yeah, no, didn't put her up to it or anything." This that was so. Yeah, it was kind of like a paranormal point, you know. And you, you haven't mentioned it. See, yeah, you, so you, you guy, you had your synchronicity thing too. What was what hotel room were you in at the Commons Inn? Oh, there was two synchronicities. I, in the Commons Inn, I was in room 311, and then at what the room? East Coast Paracon, I was in room 311. There you go. Weird. Yeah, was an even weirder one with the uh, from the ferry. But uh, we'll, we'll there's one more story here from we talked about the angel lady, so that's kind of uh, yeah we covered her. So that was pretty much the whole event except uh, for the gonging. Ah uh, yes. I should tell this story, and, and it, a lot of it. Is is because I'm a clown, so I don't want uh, I don't want Phil to think that I'm ribbing on him. So, but the I had posted a picture of the gonging of the gonging layout, let's say, uh, on Facebook, and everyone I'm like, should I get gonged? And like everybody was like, do it, do it, do it. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get gonged. So I interviewed uh, the man who was doing the gonging, Phil Crosby. Which first I I, I just, just to lay the groundwork, I was I, I made a Bill Cosby joke, which didn't go over at all very well with Phil Crosby. But anyway, he was a really nice guy. He looked like uh, like like a slightly chubbier version of Nick Redfern. Sound, he was English, bald, wore like one of those kind of like shirts that Nick wears, from what I can recall. Um, but we, he just reminded me of like of like a, like a bizarro Nick Redfern. And so he gets me in the chair. So I'm like, hey, let me interview you about this. And you're gonna hear the interview tonight, folks, on the show. So. I, I interview him about the gonging, how it works, what it's all about. He does this amazing thing where he has, like, this water inside of a metal um, cup, and he, like, runs the gong wand around the edge, and the water, like, starts, like, oh, I don't even know. It, look, it looks like it's boiling, but it's, like, reacting to the sound waves. It was really amazing. And he explains, you know, 90% of your body is water, so when I gong you, it's going to, like, do that to your body. And I was like, oh, boy. 
So I'm like, do you want to? Do you want? Should I get gong, dude? You want to do it? You want to gong me? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. So I I get in the gonging chamber or whatever, and uh, I don't know if it was the gonging. He said I wasn't sitting back far enough, which he didn't tell me until after the gonging, which I wish he we adjusted uh, during the gonging. But it lasted like 20 minutes, and I was sort of teetering the whole time. So it was very weird. I was sort of, I I think it had had to have something to do with the gonging though, in a way. Like I was vibrating. Uh, and, and I couldn't really, like, I, I could never, I kept feeling, it's like balancing on, on your ass, you know what I mean? It's like you're balancing on that, on the chair, and it was like, this is really weird, and it was really interesting. Um, I mean, I don't know what, it it, it was, I came out of it sort of with the same feeling you get maybe from a massage, do you know what I mean? Where you're disoriented, in a way, where you're like, you're, you're just kind of in a completely different realm, uh, than you were when you sat down for it. And I thought that was really cool and everything. And because I was pressed, it just didn't dawn on me that I had to pay for any of this stuff. So uh, so Phil gives me like this reading afterwards and sort of tells me what he picked up from the, from the gonging. And he's just a really sweet guy and just really nice and really like affirming and, and sort of just like builds you up and was like, you, Tim, you've got a great heart. You've got a great heart inside of you. You just... You just you gotta let it out more. Let the world see how how wonderful you are, because you're such a wonderful person. You're just so wonderful, and like filled me up with just such love and everything. And I'm just like, this was all right, dude. Thank you, Phil. This was amazing. So he like starts to walk away, and he's like, Tim, Tim, one more thing, come here. And I'm like, all right, this is the big. This is like, this is all right. What's this? And he's like, ah, uh, you know, we're gonna need twenty dollars. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he's like, well, you know, we're it's the gonging is twenty dollars. I was like, oh, Phil, really? It's kind of like, and again, this is me being a clown, folks. It's my, it's on my own. You know, I should have, I, I should have brought it up. But I was like, ah, oh, geez, I wish you mentioned that before we did the gonging, Phil. I can't return the gonging. You know, I can't, I can't un, undo the gonging. I'm morally obligated to pay you now. So, I unfortunately, because I'm also a clown, I only had nineteen dollars. But he was gracious enough to accept my nineteen dollars. So, uh lesson learned <laughs> but he was a great guy and you'll hear from him uh on the show and and again it was more me being a clown but just the the, the way the story unfolded i thought was amazing because it was just like i thought i thought i was going to get the final revelation there at the end and it was like no i got hit with the bill <laughs> there's no comment i mean but that's what they're there for the vendor thing. exactly the only thing that's I, what i mean yeah like the only I, thing I, 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 I go ahead you were press the only thing i would say is most vendors I've ever dealt with, if somebody with a press pass comes by and says, look, I'm going to interview you and blah, 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 generally speaking, they comp you on whatever it is. Right, there. right. So so that when you told me about that, I thought, well, that's a little weird. But um, fair enough, too. Yeah, exactly, um, yeah. He has, he, I'm not cr- criticizing him. I just thought normally you would have gotten comped. Uh, but, uh, you know. Right, no, no, no. He had every right to ask for the $20. Like I said, I was, I, it was me being presumptuous in a way where, naively presumptuous. You know, I didn't go in and go, yeah, screw this guy. I'm just going to get a gonging for free. I was just kind of like, hey, man, let's talk about this and do the gonging and share it with everybody. This is awesome, you know? So, a miscommunication that was hilarious. Indeed. Uh,. So that was the that was pretty much the that was the event. Then we bid farewell to uh, Linda and Kelly and and the gang and and headed back to Halifax uh, with Stan in tow. I got to be Stan's roadie, which was kind of neat. Uh, I started out a long time ago doing Stan's slides, and I've come a long way. I, I I moved all the way up to Stan's roadie. 
you were very quiet on the drive back. You basically just let Stan and I um, rag on various people within ufology, which, and I won't name any of them. But it was, of course not. It was, it was fun. It was a behind the. What did you call it? You got to look behind the curtain of Freedmania or whatever. Freedmania, yeah. Freedmania, yeah. Yeah, sort of so, like the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe kind of thing. But yeah, it was cool. Like, well, you know what the. You and Stan are, are family. You've spent, and even though you say you don't, you hadn't talked to him in a long time. You've certainly spent more time sort of talking to him in an informal setting than I ever have. So it was to me, it was like, I, I I'm a big proponent of like speak, you know, better to keep your mouth shut and have people think you're a fool than open your mouth and erase all doubt, you know. So I was kind of like, when when needed, when my opinion was asked, or if I had a question, I'd chime in. But it was very rare. It was few True. and far between. Yeah, and Stan and I, like I said, we're, you know, people wonder, like, oh, Paul and Stan don't agree on much. You'd be surprised, folks. <laughs> you know, we we tend to agree on a whole lot of things that don't relate to UFO crashes, um, particularly some of the personalities within ufology. So we had, it was a kind of a nice little, um, what would they call it, gab session or something? That's the polite way of putting it on yeah. the drive back, which was fun. I haven't done that in years with Stan. So, yeah, we talked, we did talk about the Roswell slides. That was um that was uh, true, and I was very complimentary to Stan for having the good common sense to not go to Mexico City and make a complete fool of himself like those who did go to Mexico City did. And he, you know, he was. You should have Stan on your show and interview him, or ask him at your Christmas special when you have him on, or whatever you have him once a year, right at Christmas. Yeah. I believe I actually, when I interviewed him at the Paracon, I think I asked him about the Roswell slides, but the I'm yeah. not sure how much we got into it because uh, the, the angel lady was going to wrap up, so I kind of kind of had to wrap it up myself before the crowd came out. Yeah, but he was he was pretty withering in his criticism, at least behind the scenes, of um, the whole Roswell Slides thing, and uh, good for him. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and like again, sort of like talking about how he, uh, how I got to see him sort of work through the post-presentation. Uh, it was cool for me just to sit back and sort of listen to him cut loose with you. So to me, it was like, I didn't mind... Uh, Plus, you know, it's weird. Uh, I was talking with Greg about this last night. We kind of chatted for a little bit, and uh, it's like I, I always, it's, it's even though I'm a super fan, and uh, but now I'm kind of like a friend of Stan's. I still kind of, I feel like there's still kind of this like, I'm a journalist in a way or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't feel right, sort of like pestering him with questions or anything like that when we're just hanging out, in a sense. You know what I mean? Well, the the interesting thing about Stan is I always tell people that, you know, when you can get him off his talking points, so it's kind of like watching Jeb Bush or Hillary Clinton or anybody, um, politicians talking. They have their talking points, their media lines, whatever you want to call it, and they repeat it. Dum, 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 dum. And so to some degree, that's a Stan Friedman lecture. Yes, he varies it up every now and then, but basically the theme is now the same. He's He's the Rolling Stones. He's not... Um, you know, doing stuff from his new album. He's not even recording a new album. He's he's playing. You know, I can't get satisfaction in tumbling dice. Fine. If you can sit down with him though, even for five minutes, but longer is better. And have like he and Lauren had a dinner together and lunch together. And Lauren was saying one of the joys of coming up to uh, the conference, besides meeting me, of course, was <laughs> you know he got to sit down with Stan and they could just shoot the uh, proverbial poo as it were and um it was very canadian shoot the poo yes uh, which makes it sound like you're out killing winnie the poo <laughs> christopher robin's gone rogue shoot the poo you know where's eeyore i'm gonna kill that mother anyway 
you know, he's he has a wide range of interests, right. and uh, he's a fascinating conversationalist. He's a really cool guy to talk to, yeah. which is what I've always enjoyed about Stan more than his lectures, which I, you know, I've seen a dozen, 18 times. Yeah. So the first time or two you see it, it's fun, and then after that it's, yeah. Um, but when you get a chance to talk to him, which is why these conferences, people, people sort of... Um, and maybe this is my closing point because I see we're almost near the end here, I guess. This is, holy God, a beautiful voice chart. Really? Yeah. I have a beautiful voice chart, folks. <laughs> uh, you got to see this. Wow, she's calling over her, her partner here to check it this out. Bill. Bill. She's Bill calling Bill over. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. I Apparently, Bill, I've got a, I've got a top-notch voice chart. You have a uh, very gosh. powerful, very powerful being. Huh? Wow! Yeah. All right, nice. <laughs> very sensitive being at the same time. Yeah, that's so amazing. You know, people say conferences are dead, or certainly dying and maybe dead. They're pining for the fjords of Norway, as Monty Python would say. And I think there's some truth to that. It definitely was an older crowd at the East Coast Paracon. There were a couple of younger people, but by and you know Kelly's a younger person. Um, but by and large, I would say everybody, most people were over 40, and most were over 50, probably. But it's a good opportunity to meet people, which you cannot do online. Right. You can. You know, Ashley Madison. You can. There you, you Twice. You can't, yeah, yeah. you can't have that personal. I'm just. I'm hoping my name doesn't come up. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I'm low on everyone's totem pole. You you can converse with people through email or even via Skype, but there's nothing like sitting down with someone at dinner or in a, in a social setting or even at their table and having that one-on-one, in-person kind of conversation with them. And that's you can only get that by going and meeting them, usually at one of these conferences. So for everybody that says conferences are dead and the new media and the new age and all that is the way to go, there's some truth in it. But I still think there's a place for these conferences. Mm. You know, that's it's almost like churches. Churches um, are uh, should be the place where a community can come together and share stories and beliefs and and fellowship. That's what they're supposed to be. They're not supposed to be giant money-making machines. Um, I think conferences are the same thing. They shouldn't be giant money-making machines. They should be places where people can come together and hopefully not lose money, but share stories and experiences and opinions and adventures and just get to meet people. And going back to my theme about communication, maybe that's what, if the advanced non-human intelligence is interacting with us, I think it's trying to get us to see ourselves as something other than just individuals, but as part of a bigger whole. And in that sense, I think conferences are an important part of whatever that interaction is, because that's the one place where we can all get together at the same time and interact. And the same thing was true of the ghost investigation, too. You know, even on a smaller scale, it was nice to get this group of 12 or 15, whatever it was, people in this place, and, you know, you can kind of interact with each other. And um, and I, I, I dig that. I really... Uh, maybe I'm old school, but I really like conferences. I still do. I, I hope to go to another one this year at some point. And, uh, and you know, I guess my last word on the East Coast Para Conference, the first conference ever held in Nova Scotia uh, on, the par- on the paranormal is, if you get a chance to go next year, folks, if they do hold it next year, and, and I think they are, they seem to be thinking they will, then uh, you should definitely go. Great town, great people, great show, and a little bit of everything. It's a paranormal potpourri. I highly recommend it.
Absolutely, yeah. We can go over the, the, when the lady uh, counts us down. We can still uh, talk for a few minutes afterwards. So don't. Uh, it's not going to oh. cut. The live folks won't hear us, but the MP3 folks will. But we won't go too long after the hour. But uh, yeah, that's Paul really said it best. I can't really say much more to that. Thanks to Kelly and Linda and all the folks of the East Coast Paracon. I had an amazing time and. Weirdly enough, I guess not in a way because it was a bit out of the way if you're American. I was, aside from Lauren and Chip, I was the only American there. So I was like the only American in attendance. And I'd like to change that next year, folks. Make the trip up to Canada and do this. It's an awesome event. You'll have a really good time. You'll get to meet these folks and really interact with them in a way, like Paul said, you just can't do online and and uh, get the chance to to talk to them. Kelly says they're working on Paracons 2016 right now. So uh, I will put it in my calendar once I know the dates because I definitely want to do it again. I really, really, really had an amazing time and really enjoyed it. And uh, I, I I just had a blast. I really did. You know, I always worry about these events, but... This time around, uh, it really it really was just so much fun. So I can't thank them enough for everything. And uh, thanks to the live listeners for tuning in. They're probably gone now, but uh, thanks to all the folks in the chat room. This too, this this flew by, dude. <laughs> it's like this was uh, this was an amazingly fast episode. So zoom. Yeah, that's, that's what happens when you and I chat, Tim. It's just like zoom. Now we managed to cover everything in the conference. I had a couple Canadian questions though. Oh, well, here we are. We're This is the Banal of America post-show. So what are your Canadian questions? Okay. Uh, this I found fascinating. I mentioned it on Facebook. Uh, you didn't post anything about it, so it would be interesting to get your thoughts on it. But uh, I was really – at first I was like, wait a minute. It didn't even dawn on me until I noticed that they got rid of pennies in Canada, yes. which is pretty cool. And I liked how – there's. it's not the honor system, but it's just sort of like a mutually agreed upon thing where it's like if it's – if it's like uh, 56 or 57, they charge you 50, you know, they, they round it essentially, one yeah. way or the other, whichever way is fair. And it's like, it's just, I, I said on Facebook, I'm like, I don't know if that would go in America. I can totally see people being like, nah, I ain't giving you an extra two cents because you, cause you round up. But at the same time, people seem to be cool with it up there. And, and it, was, it was pretty, you know, it kind of captured in my mind the whole mood of Canada where people were like, eh, it is how it is. Well, pennies are... You know, we're not the only country to get rid of them. Yeah, apparently Australia uh, and New Zealand yeah. did too. They're the most useless form of currency. I mean, who wants? Uh, it's just I, when they did it, people were like, "What are we going to do without our penny?" Yeah, I don't know. First of all, your pocket's going to be lighter, and secondly, sure, round up, round down. I'm pretty sure it'll all even out. And at the end of any given year, I'm either down ten cents or up ten cents. But I'm pretty sure I'm I, I can live without that if I'm down. So uh, it's just a convenience thing. Um, I, at some point, the prices will probably change, so that you won't even have like five fifty-eight or whatever. Right. It'll, it'll, it'll all be five fifty, five fifty-five. But it just it just makes sense. So yeah, I I, I forgot that they still have pennies in the U.S., um, which I just find charming in a time to grow up and move into the twenty-first century sort of way. I'm in agreement. I was I was like, this makes so much more sense. This is awesome. And then I'm like, I wish they'd do this in America. And then the other part of me was like, I don't know if they could make that fly. You, usually when people say that about Canada vis-a-vis America, it's things like universal health care. Gosh, that makes so much sense. I wish we'd do that in America. But, you know, pennies, same thing. We have a lot of good ideas up here you folks you, you might want to take a look at. It's a start. It's a start, yeah. the penny thing. Start, start with pennies. There you go. Okay, now I noticed also that... Now, this may have just been a circumstantial situation for me, but 
I didn't. I noticed that people don't seem to say "bless you" when someone sneezes in Canada. Is that is that accurate, or is that just something I know that was a happenstance for me? I've never really thought of it. Some people do, I guess. Some people will say "gesundheit," um, but yeah, no, "bless you." I I hardly ever hear that. If anything, um, I'd hear "gesundheit." People might. Say I didn't hear like, that. I just didn't hear anyone even acknowledge sneezes. That was the weird part. So, oh. like, I sneezed um, a couple of times and no one said anything, and then a couple of times I. Saw someone sneeze, and I was like, "Bless you." And I was like, the only one even who acknowledged the sneeze. It was very weird. Hmm. I keep an eye on that. I've never thought of that, but um, you're right. I actually, generally speaking, I don't hear people say that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Keep an eye out for that. that was... <laughs> Except at tea hose. T- yes, at tea hose, they're always polite. Yeah. Um, that was. Well, I, I mean, think, go ahead. I think it's. I think it's polite not to acknowledge it. It's just like, you know, it's like. I don't want to say bless you or gesundheit. I, yeah. you just, all you did was sneeze. It's, it's if you if you pass wind, nobody goes bless you. It's just a bodily function. So I don't know why sneezing has always been sort of singled out. It's like yeah, that's the one we're actually going to single out and say oh bless you that you've sneezed. And yet I think there's some, I think there's some old thing where if oh, people sneezed, yeah. it was like you were sneezing out part of your soul or something. Yeah. And yeah. so they would say yeah, I don't know, whatever. It was one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the thing to... that stood out to me where I was like, am I noticing this or am I just going crazy? So, yeah. Um, no, you're not going crazy. I think you're probably right, actually. And then, uh, yeah, essentially the, the the trip for me, then Paul, again, was amazingly gracious, drove me up to the ferry. Oh, I didn't tell the story about the Christian couple. Yeah. Uh, so Paul drove me up to the ferry. I'm on the ferry from, uh, from Nova Scotia to Prince Edward Island, which uh, – I guess it's hard to explain. Prince Edward Island, it got this sort of like Cape Cod vibe from it, where it was sort of like this this family, little touristy, but not like crazy touristy, but sort of like quaint touristy, beachy sort of feel to the whole to the place, pretty much. And uh, so I'm on the I'm on the ferry to Prince Edward Island, where I have family, and uh, I'm like, as Paul can attest, because I, I like pretty much brought everything I was bringing on the whole trip with me. So I had like a backpack. A suitcase, another bag, a crazy straw hat that made me look ridiculous. Uh, I just look like like half a bum, pretty much. And so I sit at one of these tables, and it's a four-seater, and probably, like, it was pretty crowded on that ferry. But uh, this young couple comes over. They're, like, looking for a seat and everything. They're about to leave. So I'm just like, hey, I'm all by myself. If you guys want to sit here, that's cool. So they sit down. And at first I'm just trying not to, like, talk to them because I don't want to be intrusive or anything. I hear the girl say sacrifice like three or four times, which I thought was kind of interesting. I wasn't like eavesdropping, but for some reason the word sacrifice would catch my ear. So eventually, it's a long ride, it's like an hour and 15 minutes, so eventually we kind of start chatting a little bit, and I'm telling them about the uh, East Coast Paracon and what I was doing there, and then the guy uh, starts asking me about how I feel about different stuff from the Bible, essentially. Is there heaven and hell uh, is there good and evil? And it turned into like this pretty like interesting sort of esoteric conversation about about uh, you know religion, spirituality, uh, the, the revelations, all kinds of. It was really cool. It was actually really like wow, this is a really interesting sort of conversation that I found myself getting into here on this boat. And eventually, you know, he explains that. Uh, he he must have been super he must have been super religious cuz uh he could he was like quoting the bible by verse and uh he said that his wife i presume his wife um that she he was just born again like 6 months earlier 
and I believe me, folks, I'm like, I don't have a problem with anybody or doing anything. So it's like, that's fine. Um, and he wasn't really, he wasn't preachy or trying to like, he was actually really apologetic at times because he would, he would sort of challenge me on spiritual ideas, but never really wanted to, I mean, he wasn't like a, like a, like one of those, <laughs> one of those people that protest the funerals or whatever. It wasn't, he wasn't like a, a zealot. He was just sort of an inquisitive mind. So it was just really great conversation, great people, loved him. Now, Prince Edward Island, it's it's not super big, but it's, like, fairly big. And so I get off the boat. I'm riding around. Uh, I got picked up, and I'm dr- getting driven to my aunt's place. And my aunt's place is, like, maybe, like, an hour and 15 minutes from uh, from where the ferry drops off. So we drive for, like, 40 minutes, right? So this isn't, like, 10 minutes outside of where the ferry came in. This isn't, like... Oddly enough, I didn't mention this uh, on Facebook because it's just kind of even more ridiculous. But you'll appreciate this, Paul. Uh, you get off the ferry. There's several different kind of buildings and shit, and there's different parking lots and stuff. And I really had to go to the bathroom. But since I had everything I owned with me, I couldn't do that on the ferry. So I dump all my stuff in the car, and I go into like what looks like a terminal, and I go into the bathroom, and there at the bathroom is the Christian dude. So it was like a triple synchronicity. So that in that was that was kind of like oh that's weird but I'm at the bus I'm at the ferry terminal so it's not that big a deal so then we drive for like 40 miles and uh, I I want to get out and go into a ga- uh, a grocery store because I'm still under the delusion that I'm in New Hampshire or something and I can just go into any store and buy alcohol so I'm like I just want to grab a six pack to unwind from this very long day. So I walk into the grocery store, which is a big store, folks. It's like a Wegmans or a Stop and Shop or an Atlantic Superstore. I think it was an Atlantic Superstore up uh, up there. I walk in, take maybe ten steps into the produce section, and walk right into this dude's wife. <laughs> and I, I actually was like, first thing, I just looked at her, I was like, we got to stop meeting like this. And she laughed, and I laughed, and then I wandered around, and some young kids tried to explain to me that I couldn't get beer there and was trying to send me someplace else to get it. And Anyway, and then I found the dude, uh, the husband, and I said, you know, sort of said to him, I just told your wife we got to stop meeting like this. This is crazy. And he was like, yeah, this is really weird. So it was, it was really odd. It was really odd. It was just seemed like to me, you know, what are the odds? You know, just this really, really, just to me, it seemed like really odd. I keep saying that, but that's the best word I can come up with. The synchronistic, uh, the chances of just the one grocery store I stop at, like 40 minutes, 40 miles away, turns out to be the same one they go to. Very weird. Well, I could potentially pour cold water on that, but probably not. I mean, it is weird. It's a little odd. There are, I, you must have been at the superstore on the road leading into Charlottetown. I'm yeah, guessing. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But um, I guess that we both ended up going to the grocery. I mean, not just that it was a grocery store. I just mean that we both ended up yeah. at the same store, same you know, same time. There are other. There's there's other supermarkets, large and small, that they could have gone to. Um, yeah, it's a little weird. There's no question, especially as they were the two people that you chose to talk to on the boat, and there you know is a slight paranormal connection there. Yeah. In the conversation. So, yeah. Now, if you had seen them the next day, that would have been even weirder. I know. I thought about that. Yeah, I kind of kept a lookout for them. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing about synchronicity, right? Once, as Walter would say, once you you have it happen to you, you start looking for it. Hmm. And then, you know, you start to realize that it's potentially all around you all the time. 
so you become more aware. So maybe that was just them, you know, something trying to make you aware of things around you. So it would be interesting. Walter's thing would be, did you have any other weird experiences, synchronistic experiences after that, Tim? And did any of them involve the number nine? Oh, not that I know of. Oh, okay. Not that well, I know of. well, then it's just a coincidence. That's sorry. There's my no. Walter Posley impression. It's just a coincidence. No, who knows? It's it's weird. It's definitely a weird story. Um, yeah. So, so that was kind of the biggest, uh, the weirdest. Or you're a stalker. One That's what other. someone else said. Yeah. Someone's like you're they're probably me. listening. Yeah, the Christian people are probably listening to this, going, "No, the stalker guy. Yes, we remember him." Yeah. I just hope I didn't just say this. I didn't joke about this on Facebook, but given my resemblance to a young Jesus, I just hope it didn't it didn't have any. <laughs> you know, I hope it didn't affect them too badly. You know what I mean? I've got the long hair. I've got the beard. I'm sort of like this wayward, this way this wayward traveler who let them sit next to them on the boat. They were probably like, "What do you think that was? What do you th- what do you think happened there?" I got news for you. Jesus died at 33. You would be the older Jesus. I could pass for 33. Yeah. Well, that wouldn't <laughs> make you young Jesus, though. You'd have to be like 23 to be young Jesus. I, I don't see you passing <laughs> for, for young Jesus. Maybe they, thought trying, I was, maybe they thought I was an angel. I'm just trying to imagine you <laughs> showing up with, you know, at the, on the Sea of Galilee or everybody thinking you're going to walk on water and you go, Hey, where can I get a six-pack and some cigarettes? Anybody? Anybody at all? They just look at you strange. You're Jesus. Can't you make your own alcohol? And you'd be like, whoa, yes, absolutely, I can. Where, where's some? Give me some water. And off you go. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. So that was, the, that was the weird synchronicity. Then as far as the rest of the trip goes, there's not much for me to say. I hung out with family, spent time with them, uh, enjoyed incredible meals. Uh, I, I, I bet, I'm willing to bet that you're not a poutine fan. Love poutine. Really? Wow. Yeah. Figured you'd, you'd figured you'd have a hard line stance against it. For it's some gravy. Love gravy. Yeah. It's French fries. Love all forms of potatoes. And it's uh, curds or cheese if you make it improperly, hmm. um, like mozzarella or something. Love cheese. So putting all three of them together, it's Canada's gift to the world. It's ex- it, it's really outstanding. I loved it. So I had poutine. I ate a lot of seafood. The good thing, I know anyone who's sort of like, I don't know what it's like in the rest of the country, but like around here, because it's relatively close, you go to a restaurant, you can get PEI mussels. Uh, obviously, on Prince Edward Island, they're just plentiful. And I actually went to a restaurant that had, they said it's like the world, the island's longest salad bar. And it, it, at first you're like, what the hell, salad bar? But part of the whole salad bar is like dessert and all-you-can-eat PEI mussels. So it's just these people bringing out vats of PEI mussels over and over and over again. I literally, dude, I ate, I had to have eaten over 100 PEI mussels. Wow. I just, I went up four times and covered my plate. And I had lobster, which you, you're not a fan of lobster, though. I hate mussels and I hate lobster. You hate mussels, too. I do. Yeah. Uh-huh. But you've discovered these are secret. These, these seafoods are plentiful here. It's like lobsters, you were telling me, um, or I was telling you, and you were saying I should mention on the show, and we just yeah. forgot. So here in the after chat, uh, lobsters, what you used to, years ago, you used to be able to tell who the really, really, really poor kids were in um, maritime towns, usually fishing villages, because they would be the ones who would bring lobster sandwiches to school to eat, because that's what poor people ate. 
because it was so plentiful and most people considered it like the bottom feeder of the ocean. Ugh, nobody would ever eat a lobster. Blah. You know, you eat fish and stuff. Blah, lobster. So, you know, hey, look, there's little Johnny. What's he got for lunch? Oh, cheese whiz. Okay. Um, what's Frankie got? Peanut butter. Hey, what's what's little Stevie got? He's got a lobster sandwich. Oh, Stevie, <laughs> you're you're beneath welfare. That's where you are. And it, you know, this great scam that we managed to pull on the rest of the world by con- like the South Africans and whatever controlling the supply of diamonds, you know, controlling the supply of lobster. Um, that it's this great delicacy when in fact they're these bottom feeding, ocean dwelling crustaceans that are basically pig, the pigs of the ocean. They yeah, walk it's weird. Right I couldn't believe it when you told me that. But yeah. my aunt confirmed it later in the trip. So, Yeah, like they used to feed it to prisoners in um, in jails here in Nova Scotia, too. Hmm. As it, And it wasn't a way of saying, oh, it wasn't like, you know, the Donald Trump kind of prison, if Trump ever went to prison, the white-collar prison. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're in here for murdering your entire family. Here's some lobster. Oh, no, no, cruel and unusual so punishment. weird, yeah. Yeah, I so. said to Paul, I, I I'm gonna have to look more into this and find out like if there's a book or something on this. I would do a show on the the Great Lobster Bamboozle if I could the find Great it. Great Lobster yeah. Bamboozle. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not just Maritimers. I guess the guys in Maine uh, must do it. You know, they're yeah, in yeah, too. Uh, yeah. So. Um. Yeah. The only other thing I should mention is just because uh, this kind of thing Paul would have would have been wish I had Paul with me at the time, but the uh, where my aunt lives and. In Prince Edward Island, it, and, and in other places too, I think I noticed, but uh, probably not in Halifax. I didn't even look, but like the, there's just no. I live in like in the suburbs of Boston, folks, and like there's just such. I never realized how bad like the light pollution must be because when I was up on Prince Edward Island, if you looked up in the sky, it was like layers upon layers of stars. It was absolutely breathtaking. It was just unbelievable stuff. I mean, if I was if I lived up there, I probably would just sit out outside and just look up at the sky all the time because it was just so amazing to see. You would, except at night on Prince Edward Island, the poisonous spiders come out and you don't want to be outside. The mosquitoes were terrible. That was true. Oh, right. That's mosquitoes. what we called them. Uh, we, I call them poisonous spiders, but they're mosquitoes, yeah. Uh, they carry West Nile virus and... What? Yeah. Jesus, I have a lot of mosquito bites. I'm going to... Jesus. No. Your chances of getting West Nile virus in the Maritimes are between slim and and zero. Oh, good. But there, every year there's you know a, ha- a few dozen cases reported out west, and a couple I think in the Maritimes. But they could they have the potential to carry West Nile virus. I probably would know uh, and, by now. It's been a week. And they're getting worse. Yeah, you probably would. Jesus. Um, but uh, yeah, Halifax has light pollution. We're a city of half a million, well, four hundred thousand people. So if you look right. up, it, the sky last night was purple. I was, I was like, there's no stars. It was purple. Uh, but as soon as you get, you know, an hour outside down in a place like Liverpool, you can look up and go, oh, look, stars. And it's like being in New Mexico or the southwest of the U.S. When I first went there, same thing. If you get away from L.A. or Albuquerque or Vegas, and you get out in the desert, you can look up and you just like. And they really do have poisonous spiders or scorpions or whatever, so you have to be careful. But yeah. um, snakes and stuff. Mm. But if you you look up, it's like, yeah, wow, this is just amazing. And um, yeah, I'm sure it's like that in other parts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just but Prince Edward me. Island definitely. Uh, my uh, my better better half. I don't know what to get. My former fiance, who's still my best friend, with whom I still cohabitate. That's... <laughs> uh, <laughs> My best friend, Linda. Anyway, she's from PEI, and her and her sister still own their old house there. And we go over a couple times um, every year 
she goes over a lot more than I do. And you can you can stand out in the backyard and just look up and go, hmm, look at that, stars. I had no idea that there were so many stars because they're about 40 minutes outside of Charlottetown, which is a city of maybe 35,000. So even in Charlottetown, you can still see a few stars. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you get up to the North Shore and the beaches and stuff. Look, I'm going to put Prince Edward Island over. But if, if folks, Canada's smallest province really shouldn't even be a province. There's only about 150,000 people there. But, um, you know, if you ever get a chance, go, because the beaches alone are just, they're amazing. Yeah, it was it, awesome. It, I yeah. really, really enjoyed it. So and I the would, land I of Anne of Green it. Gables, too, if you're into right. Anne of Green Gables. Yeah. And I, I, I provided everything works out right, I think I'll be doing it again next year because I had such a good time. So it was it was really awesome. And, again, i got to thank you, A, for coming on the show and recounting all this with me and, and sort of this definitely turned into sort of like us just sitting around jamming. I really enjoyed that. And and for your just, again, in, indefatigable hosting while we were up in Halifax and, and Liverpool, you really went above and beyond, man. I appreciate it. Ah, I think nothing of it. Sorry, like I said, I'm just sorry I couldn't hang out more in Halifax, but I, I was, um, you know, still working and stuff. But uh, it was yeah, good. yeah, it was good to get out of the city. I really enjoyed the conference. You know, I can't put it over enough. They're great people, and um, you're welcome here anytime. Thanks, buddy. Uh, except on Tuesdays. And in 2017. And and yeah, don't come here in 2017. I think there's some bad shit going down in 2017. I just don't know what it is yet. Oh, Rob Ford, Prime Minister. Well, yeah. you know what? Wouldn't it be awesome if we had Rob Ford as Prime Minister and Donald, Donald Trump, Trump as President? <laughs> it would be and and Speedy Gonzalez as President of Mexico. So like a cartoon mouse President of Mexico. It would be <laughs> awesome. It's like oh, that would be. My God. That's a television show waiting to happen. In fact, I think that's what Trump's angling for. But uh, that would be amazing. People are like, oh, I can't believe I would never vote for Donald Trump. I see this on Facebook, all my American friends. I go, I'd vote for him. I don't agree with a single thing he says. But I grew up in the 80s. I just think it would be really cool to have Donald Trump as president for four years to teach you guys a lesson on just how bad things could get. You know, if you think it's bad now, it would get a lot worse. And a friend of mine reminded me today, he posted something on Facebook, he referenced me, and he said, yeah, I don't think we'd make it through. The problem is we might not make it through those four years, literally, like he might blow the planet up or something, or he might sell us, might sell the entire planet. He'd declare the entire planet bankrupt. and then <laughs> Yeah, exactly, you know, yeah. Sell it to space aliens to be a reality show or something. Yeah. It's yeah. Well, we'll watch it all unfold over the next year. But uh, thank you, thank you once again, Paul, for coming on the show. Uh, I'm going to throw my plugs in now. Feel free to uh, to to ride off into the sunset this evening, and we'll we'll do it all again. I hope in the not too distant future, my friend. Sounds good, Tim. Always uh, great talking to you, and thanks to everybody in the BOA universe for uh, tuning in. All right. Thanks a lot, folks. Uh, now come the plugs. If you are wondering what exactly you just listened to, you are listening to Banal of America Audio. You can find out more from us at banalofamerica.com, B-I-N-N-A-L-L of America.com. I should say before we go any further, stay tuned because we're going to stick all these interviews. If they haven't been weaved into the show, they're going to be on at the end of the show. So uh, if you're listening right now and you normally tune out during the plugs, uh, just stick it out here. And uh, you're going to get some Friedman, you're going to get some Lauren Coleman, you're going to get a few other uh, fun surprises here in the uh, in the post show. So stick around. 
If you want to find out more about us beyond Banal of America, head on over to Facebook, punch in Banal of America. That's our page. Feel free to like us, and you'll find out more about what's going on at BOA. And uh, what you just listened to was a two-hour program, I guess in a way closing the book finally once and for all on our international expedition of the uh, summer of 2015. Banal journeys to Canada and explores the world of Canada uh, with Paul Kimball. So... Uh, it was uh, free, and it was live, and uh, all the shows we've done this year and in our existence are, fr- are live at Banal of America. So that costs money is the point I'm trying to make, and if you can help us out with that, that would be great. There's two ways to do so. You can head on over to BOA and click the PayPal button. They'll walk you through the process. It's safe, secure, and simple, but if you don't trust the Internet and you want to make a snail mail donation, you can do so by writing to our P.O. box, and the address for that is at Banal of America. Uh, Let me see. I can't really plug uh, the next edition of the show just yet. Uh, I have a bunch of guests lined up and people that I need to schedule, but everything has been so uh, topsy-turvy here for me since I returned from Canada that it's just been really uh, difficult for me to get anything done. But uh, I have people in mind. I just have uh, not really gotten the chance to lock them in yet. And uh, good shows, though, really good shows and uh, interesting topics that I want to explore on the program. So as always, stay tuned to Banal of America and BOA on Facebook for updates on what's next from us. And with all that said, thank you so much, folks, for tuning in. Thank you to Paul for coming on the show and, again, for being just an amazingly gracious host while I was up in Canada. And uh, now here are uh, some of my on-site recordings from the East Coast Paracon, eastcoastparaconference.ca. That's where you can find out more from the folks at the East Coast Paranormal Conference. And help me out, folks. Don't uh, let me be the only American at next year's East Coast Paracon. Make the trip. It's definitely worth it. You're going to get some serious face time with all the speakers and the chance to do a whole bunch of interesting and unique and different things uh, that chances are you're not going to be able to do at most other conferences. So I cannot put the event over enough. I absolutely loved it. And as I said, here now are some segments, interviews, conversations I had with various folks at the East Coast Para Conference. Enjoy. And until next time, this is Tim Benall, thanking you for listening and signing off. Great heavens! What kind of radio show is this? Not so fast, folks. There was a slight change of plans here with the uh, layout of the show, as you probably could tell, because I did not play any of those clips during the program. All the stuff, all together, added up to about an hour and a half of material, and then when I pasted it here into the episode with Paul Kimball, the whole shebang clocked in at a whopping three hours and 52 minutes. So, after looking at the enormous size of that MP3 file and already imagining the emails I would receive from people who had problems, I decided to simply split this one into two episodes. BOA 920 with Paul Kimball, that's the recap. BOA 921 is the on-site interviews, both coming out at the same time, on the same day, at the same moment. Hopefully this will uh, make the downloading easier and make it less confusing for some folks who are listening to this Paul Kimball show and are waiting for the on-site interviews. They are on episode 921. You can find it at Banal of America in the podcast feed 
in all the places that you usually find BOA Audio. It's right there next to 920. Go check it out, and thanks for listening, folks.